Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Hey, this is, we're back. This is episode 27. We're recording on January 12th, 2013. This is the new year and also the one year anniversary episode, effectively. Correct. So, who do we have in the studio today with us? Well, my name is PJ Shard, otherwise known as Paul Wagner, otherwise known as at Wisco Dice on Twitter. All right, and this is, of course, the Conesy with the most. Of course, he's a little bit less than most. We mm-hmm. have down 74 pounds now. Holy crap, that's like a five-year-old. Uh, it's quite oh. a bit of Conesy, that's for certain. <laughs> Through the holidays and with Mayhem, I'd kind of been on a kind of a holding pattern for the weight loss deal, and uh, with the new year and things kind of having settled down and slowed down a little bit, and being able to get more into doing some hobby stuff and hanging around the house a little more, I was able to get back into my workout schedule. And and this week I got I dropped 1.2 pounds, so it was great. Nice. That was always good. Of course, then because I'm no longer the most poundage, I've got to have the most minis. And <laughs> and this year the goal will be to have more minis painted than Mister Andrew minis. Sherman. <laughs> he and that's going well. I'm actually yeah. ahead of him. Last I knew. Nice. He didn't like my Twitter picture, I guess. I posted a... Did you see the Twitter picture I posted of my Brett Lord with the Buckeyes underneath the hooves? No, I didn't see that one. Oh. I asked him what he thought of it, but he hasn't responded to me yet. I wouldn't respond to you either. Yeah, I know. And that's All typical. Right. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and give a quick thanks to all of our sponsors that help us make Wisco Dice for the first year and, and going forward with 2013. Correct. And let's go ahead and start with our with our sponsor we picked up this at, in 2012 at Gen Con. Uh, which is Prism Gaming. Prism Gaming at prismgamer.com. And Prism makes a, an outstanding line of paints and and washes. Uh, I think it's 70-some colors now is what mm-hmm. they have out. They've got their new golf game that they're coming out with, which will be their first game release. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have miniatures and such. I'm really kind of excited to actually check that out. Nobody else is really that I've seen has got a golf minis game. So. No. I'm kind of curious to see how that goes, and hopefully they've got a, uh, some neat, cool little aspects. Off. We'll get to hopefully check that out in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Fingers Very cool. Crossed. Yeah, it, it does look really cool. They're, they've got a Kickstarter campaign, right? Or is that uh, India? I'm not sure. I, I know they're going to release here. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't gotten any word that they wanted us to push the Kickstarter, okay. kick, push a Kickstarter or anything like that. I think they were just going to do this out of their own pockets. So, Also, just uh, as kind of an aside here for Prism Gamer, one of the people on Twitter actually asked me, or kind of put a question out to the Twitterverse and said, hey, I'm running out of Devlin Mud. Does anybody know a decent substitute? And I actually just linked him right to the Prism Gamer website to that leather wash that we've been using. I yeah. think that actually works really, really well and makes a really nice substitute for Devlin Mud. Yeah, it, it's it's just a touch more brown. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit deeper brown than Devlin Mud was, but you can thin it down with a little extra water and you get that same effect you got with Devlin Mud. Mm-hmm. Or use it the way it does, the way it is to get a little bit that deeper brown color on on whatever you're washing. It is um, it is just amazing. It's one of the best products I've picked up and put on my painting table in a long time. There you go. There's a pro tip for you. So, and you actually can hear about me using it and how I used it on golds in the last coat, the latest Conzie's diary. So, yeah, I saw that painting gold, right? Yep. Very cool. And so, other sponsors, we've got, of course, the last square. Correct. Is that the last circle? The last, the last something, anyways. Last, last square. Well, they're your hobby location for miniatures as well as railroads. And they've got a nice little gaming space as well. So, Make sure you check them out on Odana Road here in Madison, Wisconsin. Of course, we don't want to forget to tell you to go to thelastsquare.com where you can get great discounts and pick up pretty much anything you want 
that's related to wargaming, whether it's historicals, fantasy, 40K, mm-hmm. privateer press, whatever you want. They've got pretty much everything you could possibly think of, and if they don't got it, they'll track it down for you, of course. Sounds great. Then we've got Misty Mountain Games and Diversions here on Cottage Grove Road. Correct. It's on the east side. It's Madison's largest gaming venue. Correct. And they have a great selection of collectible card games, uh, board games, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, Warhammer and Warhammer 40K. Yep. It's great. You can just you know, get a hold of them for if you got an event you want to run or if you want to go ahead and just stop in there and pick up the, the latest board game. You know, they, they're going to have it on hand, and they've always got events and, and games going on of various different types there. So Correct. Well worth checking out. Last but not least, by any means, they've been with us since day one, and that mm-hmm. is the Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Is that www.hfb.com? Yep, you can go to the www.hfb.com. It's you can go ahead and get all of the information regarding Warhammer Fantasy mm-hmm. that's happening and going on in the state of Wisconsin. Groups all over the state, from Madison, Milwaukee, Platteville. Green Bay, there we we do really try to incorporate and, and seek out those gaming clubs and get the and try to provide a central repository for people in Wisconsin to go to to find out where the events are, what's going on in their neck of the woods. On top of league scoring mm-hmm. and all sorts of other things that are going on within the the league and the organization, so it's worth checking out. Go to wwhfb.com and for all the details and information. All right, sounds good. All right, so let's go ahead then and talk about what we plan on covering today. Mm-hmm. So what what is the agenda? I mean, we have some kind of idea, right? Uh, uh, yeah, something about an anniversary. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about our one-year anniversary, kind of more in how it relates to maybe things that we, we felt both good and bad mm-hmm. for, 23, for 2012 and, and some of our hopes and dreams maybe for 2013, as well as we got a couple of listener questions that we're going to go ahead and touch on mm-hmm. that relate to experiences or things that we're aiming towards in, the, in 2013. So we're going to go ahead and do that as well. We're going to go ahead and just do a quick flashback to the vampire counts mm-hmm. oh that was the a, vc that was like a, you know sprank a new baby podcast and we're like oh Lit- literally the book had been out they'd released that saturday morning officially and i think we it was recorded like on saturday so we effectively <laughs> yeah. had the book legally for like two or three hours mm-hmm. i think both i think both of us picked it up technically the night before but we didn't no we didn't no we didn't no nobody's listening we didn't do that but anyway yeah but uh yeah <laughs> you was, can kind of tell that we'd only had it for two or three hours yeah, we, we definitely made some mistakes we ended up having to revisit <laughs> to cover our mistakes in the next episode so it was like a two-part review which was completely unintended but well, it we was had great. a re- we had a review of the vampire counts book and then we had a review of our review so i think now we're doing a review of the review well, of the review i'm confused anyways well we're basically <laughs> going to just touch base back on that vampire counts book and talk a little bit about how we've seen it now in people's games yeah, how over the course, the how it's kind of evolved, maybe our own attitudes and thoughts and how they've evolved. It's by no means going to be an absolute review, but we're going to touch on some of the things we definitely see on the table all the time. Absolutely. Finally, we've got our gaming spotlight, of course, Conzie's mm-hmm. Rant, all of your favorite segments, the awesome models you might have missed. So stay tuned. We'll go ahead and try to entertain you for the next uh, couple of hours. Done and done. Let's go ahead and talk about what we've done in the past couple of weeks. Paul, have you done, I should say, since uh, this would be back before Christmas, really, because mm-hmm. that was the last time we got together. That's right. 
did you get anything good from Santa Claus? I mean, besides a lump of coal and a hickory stick, which I'm pretty sure, I mean, I talked to him. That was all he was going to get you. Well, that was actually the fan you talked to, and uh, he didn't uh, even give me that. Yeah, we figured so. out who was the r- proper Santa Claus, and he was fighting on my side, <laughs> if you remember. Well, Andy from Ohio Hammer seemed to think so. So, you know, that's all I got. He was, like, giving me crap on Twitter. That's Well, I mean, I did say Ohio kind of sucks. So, I mean, well, that's only because I've been to Ohio and, you know, have personal experience with it, but... They do have great hot dogs. But it always in good fun, Andy. They do have good hot dogs. Yes. They have good factories. Good job. I I wouldn't know. They do have good... Andy runs a factory. Come on. We're trying to brown nose a little bit. No, I'm not. I'm trying to crush him right now. (laughs) I'm trying to be nice. All right. Yeah, we love you, Andy, though. Yeah. So, actually, I did get a couple cool things for Christmas as far as the hobby is concerned. I got Lord of the Rings on Blu-ray, extended edition, full, like, special kit everything, which is like... Yeah. uh, I don't know, 12 discs or something like that. Yep. So I've watched half of it so far, and then I think I'm going to watch the next half. A lot of it. A lot of it. They only added three discs, I think, Yeah. to that from what the original extended and the extended mm-hmm. material was. I think there was three discs of ads. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did. I have. I, I got it when it first so. came out, yeah. and that was a great. That is a great little pickup. I, I have mm-hmm. the. I have now I have both the DVD copies uh-huh. and the Blu-ray <laughs> copies. I think the Blu-ray copy came with some like metal pewter chest feats or something like that. When we got our collector's copy. Well, that's cool. Uh, I didn't get that with the Blu-ray, so but when yeah, I, yeah. When we bought our Blu-ray, I think that's what nice. we got the like we got a really fancy edition, but that's cool. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I got Army of Darkness with Ruth Campbell, so that was kind of cool. If you've never seen what? that, were you go born in a barn? Out. No, this is my boomstick. You just got really ugly. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna stop quoting now, but anyway, I really like that movie. So, and I've met Bruce Campbell; he's a really cool guy. So, that uh, was my non Warhammer hobby stuff, if you can call it that. And then I also got Monstrous Arcana from Forge World, so that was That's pretty really sweet. cool. I really, really enjoy the book. I've been reading through; I read through the whole thing already. The Kemric Titan, I think specifically, Ben, you might be really interested in. It's a really cool, just like huge scarab beetle. They don't uh, have a, they didn't have a model yet for it though. That's correct. There are no models for it. So who knows what it'll actually be when it's finished? Uh, although actually, if you look at the Monstrous Arcana book, it's actually really clear what the Kadai Destroyer and the Kadai Fireborn were supposed to look like because they have different pictures for them in there than they did in Tomricon. So you, there's actually a pretty clear picture. So they've, they've basically come up with new concept art to explain Absolutely. what they're supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. So the Kadai Destroyer looks much more like a mechanical, like a, a bladed, blade-legged bull, I guess. A mechanical blade-legged bull would be a relatively kind of clear way of putting it, but uh looks a little bit better in the book. I definitely enjoyed reading the background and everything, and of course, it's a gorgeous book. So I read it from cover to cover in like a day. I also did pick up a Empire Witch Hunter with a gift certificate I got from my in-laws, so I had some fun getting some paint on him. That's a really cool fig. It's a gorgeous fig. My wife was actually like, you should get that one. And I was like, okay. I kind of wanted it anyway. So It's hard to argue with a wife when, when she yeah. says, go, you should get that. And I was like, oh, okay, I will. Which then turned into a kind of interesting artic- discussion about how, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in all the fluff for Warhammer... Almost every piece of fluff is written from the human perspective. So if they're talking about ogres, it's like an empire trader or, you know... It's almost always not only a human, but from the empire's perspective. That's correct. Either It like it basically is either from the empire or mortal chaos or from the Estalia or those 
the Araby area. They they definitely do a very specific human entry into their world. So it, it was just kind of a random thought that popped into my head while I was talking to my wife about this miniature. So uh, I also ended up picking up a pot of Lamian Medium as well. I kind of wanted to just use all of my gift certificate. And I, I really, really like it. I've used it to mix a couple of different colors, and it's turned out really, really well. And then the last thing that I got for Christmas Warhammer related was I got the Death World basing kit. You know those four basing kits that were oh, released yes, a couple yes. of weeks ago or a couple yeah, months they, ago? Yeah, they were in the December White Dwarf, mm-hmm. I think. Have you actually? Or the November White Dwarf they were featured in. Have you picked any of those up? No. So they they are a little bit expensive. They're thirty three bucks. I picked up the Death World one, like I said. I I wanted to pick up the Underworld one, but they didn't have it, so I picked up the Death World one. And it's got a Lizard Man on the front, so I was like, okay, it'll have Lizard Man stuff. I'll put it on my Lizard Man army. But I opened it up, and it's actually got two bags of gravel, basically, which I was like, okay, whatever. I'll find some use for them, but really not worth the value of the box. But then they had two pieces of resin bits, and then they had a sprue of acid-etched brass leaves included in it, which I didn't realize were in there. So there's actually ivy ferns and then a couple of large like lily pad type leaves as well and i'm really excited about that i've actually been kind of interested in using brass etched leaves in a while but you always have to order them from some online site and i just haven't gotten around to doing it sure so i I, i'm really excited to be able to use those and the resin bits themselves i was really excited because as you've heard if you've listened to wisco dice i have the spider rider army that i'm working on and it actually came with eight more spiders in this $33 kit. So actually, it's the cheapest way now of getting small spiders for my Spider Rider unit. Spider Runner Army. So I'm probably going to pick up at least one more of those boxes. And they had some decent 40k stuff, but I'm not all that interested in it. But they also had a couple of nice little Lustrian broken pieces of tile and broken thrones and stuff. Uh, basically, they kind of just took the couple of pieces that already exist in plastic bits, etc. And then sculpted a base around them. And then cast them out of there. So you'll recognize some of the designs themselves. But it's pretty cool when, obviously, I have a bunch of spiders. I recognize this as, oh, this is one of the specific spiders off the Arachnorox sprue. I can't really... I can definitely take that spider and put it on my base. I can't sculpt the skull underneath it and then sculpt leaves going over the top of it. And that's what they've done with this specific basing kit. And I'm really, really impressed with it, actually. It looks really, really cool, and I think it's going to look great on my army as a whole. So my whole army is going to get the leaves, the resin bits, etc. So I was actually very, very pleasantly surprised. I kind of bought it as a, I'm going to buy where I play. So I, I bought it from Last Square as kind of a, I need to buy something from you. I haven't bought anything in a while. And I was really, really happy with my purchase. So I don't know. I haven't heard anybody else actually review them, but I really, really liked it. I remember when we saw when I saw him in the White Dwarf. It was one of the few things like I hadn't heard any murmuring mm-hmm. or talk about about those. And when I saw them, I latched onto like that's something I might pick up myself. Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear that you had a, a that that you really like it because that that is something I would consider picking up myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not sure I can stomach the thirty three dollar price tag. Yeah especially considering I don't need gravel or sand or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. I'd prefer to not get that and just get more stuff I want. Well, but... actually, and that was something that immediately, even though I really, really like the selection of items in this one, I went back and I looked at the other three, and they have a Death World one, they have an Underworld one, they have a kind of winter one, so Space Wolves or Chaos, and then they also have an Egyptian one. Uh, so the Underground one is kind of cool. It's got warp crystals green yep, plastic I pieces 
And then it's got mushrooms and stuff in the resin. And then, of course, it has the two other pieces of gravel, the two bags of gravel. The northern one had resin pieces, it has snow, and it has icicles, and it has gravel. But actually, the TK one, the Tomb King one with the Tomb King on the front, is easily the best value. From what I could see, it had two things of resin in it, two small sections of resin-based parts. It had tufts of grass in it, and then it also had brass etched like wheat and other desert plants in it and just one bag of gravel. So that actually might be a really good value for you for your Tomb Kings. Well, see, I mean, I'm already set that. on the basing for the Tomb Kings, mm-hmm. but I'm always looking for other little bits and bobs to add to the basing. And, mm-hmm. and I have been actually looking at doing like little grass strips mm-hmm. to add to those bases. I've been looking at some products for that. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know that I get enough volume. That, so, yeah. I don't know if I get enough volume in that kit. But I wanted to pick up at least one just mm-hmm. to have one and be able to look at it and know for myself if I would want to pick up more. I think that I think I'm going to end up finding that I, for me personally, there's just not enough to do a whole army in one kit, mm-hmm. and to have to buy two or three kits all of a sudden to complete an army mm-hmm. that sound you know ninety or hundred dollars into it. I can probably pick up a lot of that other stuff mm-hmm. that I'm going to use for the bulk of my work for a heck of a lot less. Well, and that's where this whole my working on the Spider Rider army and the Lizard Man coming with eight little spiders in it really pays off for me because it is the cheapest way for me to get those spiders now. Plus, I'm obviously not going to say no to extra basic material for my Lizard Man, and I'm definitely not going to say no to the brass etch leaves as well. So, yeah, just a random purchase turned out really, really well. So, Ben, how about you? Did you get anything fun for the holidays? No. All right. Moving on. <laughs> no, I, I didn't get anything for... Well, you, but you just had your birthday. Didn't get anything for that either. You got tons of beer, though. I, was I got beer. alcohol. You got, oh my goodness. I got a lot of alcohol, <laughs> but that's, I didn't get anything otherwise. Did I? Tina got me something. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, I did get something. <laughs> Nothing really model-wise, but I got a, Tina did get me a little photo booth. Oh, nice. For, mm-hmm. you know, Taking it's, pictures it's a travel, it's supposed to be a traveling little pick photo thing, so it's a white box and it's got a couple of nice little lamps that aren't really like high intensity bright but they're nice they were really nice i took uh some shots of the i got three hobbits i did Mm -hmm. i painted up and i took a shot or two of them with my cell phone Mm -hmm. it wasn't even a good camera it was a cell phone my cell phone in that box and i was really impressed at how well the detail was when i was finished with that picture so yeah and you didn't didn't use that for the lord of the rings orcs right or goblins no, I didn't. I was just a normal cell phone shot. Neither did I do use it for my Samwise shot either. It was just another cell phone shot. Believe it or not, I could easily tell the difference. Yeah, it really, really did make I a was, difference. I, like, I saw the Lord of the Rings hobbits, and I was like, wow, look at the details on those things. I haven't seen that in any of the other models that he's painted. And obviously no, it was usually because you put them in there. <laughs> usually, it's, usually it's in um, taking pictures of things in my dark kind of basement mm-hmm. and it's with a cell phone picture and it's not a good shot but mm-hmm. that definitely and it is a nice they got like a little travel pouch and it folds down really nice and you can fold the lamps and it all goes in there and it's this is a little bag of mm-hmm. you know stuff so you could take it to an event and take pictures with a you know mm-hmm. if you were planning on taking some pictures of individual models well i would definitely recommend that you use that more often that that definitely made a difference to my eyes. yeah i want to set it up with our better camera and we actually have a somebody loaned us a digital slr nice. recently too so i wanted to do some fiddling with that too and see if i could what i could do but i i've got to finish models and then take some shots in there so very cool i've got that and 
like the Moria goblins weren't that I did weren't done well enough where mm-hmm. I think it would reflect some of the well, they're not done badly, but mm-hmm. they're not like there's not a huge ton of detail. I think you the said models were. I was kind of frustrated painting the models mm-hmm. too because it just was hard to pick out the detail. There wasn't much detail to them. It was mm-hmm. kind of, uh, but they're older plastics too, mm-hmm. so it's kind of expected. Yeah. Um, besides so, that, mm-hmm. I didn't really have a whole lot of. I mean, that was the only real gift Hobby I got order. over the whole holiday se- season. Yeah. Um. But I did get a lot of gameplay and a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of fun. Um, so you heard about it on Garage Hammer. Uh, mm-hmm. There was FetterCon, which was the 29th or whatever. It was a Saturday. And Grant Fetter hosted it. Mm-hmm. And the, he ended up having eight or ten people, I think, show up. And there was great food to eat and... It yeah. was great because it was all of us like health conscious guys because they're all doing the fat hammer thing. I'm not, but they were all you know a bunch of them are doing the fat hammer thing. I'm doing my own thing. I started it. I I'm the trendsetter. I started doing this weight loss thing early. No, yeah, I, you're totally a hipster, Ben. I know I am. <laughs> I was losing weight before it was cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to get no, you some but, tight pants, some PBR. I do have to get some new. I do have to get some new pants. <laughs> These things are. Too bit too baggy now. Watch out! You're gonna have a hipster conzy on your hands before too long. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, but it was really cool. It was you know, everybody had you know healthy food and stuff they brought, and then I got to play. I started out playing Ryan Nickel mm-hmm. and his high elves. We all we were all Beautiful. playing like Lapaka lists, except I was ta- I brought my Tomb Kings down. Mm-hmm. But they were all looking for a lot of the guys were all looking for two thousand points Wapaka prep games. So I played his high elves, which they do look really cool, but they're not. There was some stuff that's obvious. There's stuff that he's still working on to he has to get completed for Wapaka. Yeah, and I'm sure he will if he, you know, he's. I'm sure budgeted out his time well mm-hmm. to get that accomplished. I gotta say, it was crazy how efficiently he chewed down war sphinxes in that <laughs> game. It was like the first one. I kind of see, yeah, you had enough attacks and they were enough strength, and with all and the you rerolls, got ASF and yeah. all the rerolls and stuff, you're gonna get. You should have got that many wounds through. But the second one was just he had like nine or ten or twelve attacks on it, mm-hmm. just from the swordmasters, and in two rounds of combat, it was just gone. Oof. It wasn't like there. There wasn't that many. It was. Four, eight, twelve. I think there was twelve or thirteen attacks that he was rolling, and in two rounds of combat, he destroyed one. Wow! And the third one got knocked out later. I I was pleased that I got to swing with War Sphinxes twice in the entire game, <laughs> and I took out eighteen Swordmasters with nice. two swings of, of War Sphinxes. <laughs> so that was good. But I I did end up going down and losing that game pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up tossing in the towel when it was the fat lady was singing because it was pretty <laughs> clear it wasn't going to go much better and and I didn't want to drag it out because there wasn't there wasn't anything I could do to impact the game. Yeah, I, there's nothing that frustrates me more mm-hmm. than continuing to play on a game where I'm basically just taking models off and not really doing anything to make my position better. Mm-hmm. So then I played David Witek from Garage Hammer, obviously mm-hmm. the the so- famous soul David Witek, the soul and uh, energy and and everything that is great that I love about Garage Hammer. Did you see the engineer at all? No, he wasn't. He didn't make an appearance. That's really odd. You I, wasn't Chris Yu there as well. Yes. Yeah. So you had Chris Yu and David, but the and engineer. Harrison and oh my goodness, but the, the engineer didn't show up. Neither did the was, fan though, though. So we were safe. Oh, interesting. I wouldn't want to see those two get into a bickering bout. I, I thought it would have hurt something if they did, though. I mean, probably they probably they probably still be 
yakking at each other. <laughs> but anyways, that game, he was, Dave was playing his Vampire Counts, and I really love Dave's Vampire Counts army. I got to say, it's mm-hmm. it's all about it's all the things that I really love about Warhammer. He's it's it's big blocks of infantry mm-hmm. for Vampire Counts. It's exactly what I think of when I think about Vampire Counts. Sluggish. Shambling hordes of infantry supported with some heavy cavalry and a mm-hmm. big unit of black knights, a couple of little spirit hosts just for to take advantage of the ethereal and gum it up, but nothing mid max, lots of lots and lots of guys, mm-hmm. super nasty vampire. <laughs> of course his super nasty vampire had something like fifteen or twenty or twenty five attacks or something like that that he rolled against war sphinxes. And <laughs> with strength seven uh, and hit every single one of them. Never did a wound. <laughs> it was great. That's um, sad. But that, that's kind of also the story of how I won this game because <laughs> it was like turn four or so, and mm-hmm. and I had kind of had my way with. There was some little jukiness. He was trying to raise zombies and whatever to kind of juke me up and slow me down, oh, which was what he wanted to do. But yeah. my killing power is so con- so well concentrated, I could just ram in like the chariots and war sphinx into a block and it would just disintegrate and then be like okay i'm good with this all right i'll just on. reform now and stand <laughs> here and look at you and then you can do whatever you want and i got a little push- extra movement because you know i was well i actually would it was actually slowing me down a little bit but mm-hmm. i'm like you know i'm tomb kings i'd slow anyways this doesn't get me outside of my game plan <laughs> you know i can't march so i'm moving six well instead of moving six i move three and all my stuff's kind of still in a battle line and i'm good with that mm-hmm then I was able to, on about turn four, I got the the War Sphinx Riders that were in in combat with his ghouls and his Vampire Lord, got the killing blow on his Vampire Lord. Oh. He had to crumble, a bunch of stuff crumbled. And, oh, wow. And I thought if he, I thought he, he had a chance to stick in it, but after we talked it out a little bit, mm-hmm. like even like uh, uh, Ryan had come over because he had finished up his game, mm-hmm. and he was looking at things, and he's like, oh, but you got this and this. And he's like, well, Dave's like, I already know what's going to happen. I got a bunch of crumble rolls I'm going to roll. Half that stuff's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. But like, ah, come on, just do the crumble rolls. And sure enough, he did a bunch of crumble rolls. It did happen pretty much exactly what he said. <laughs> a bunch of stuff crumbled <laughs> off the board, and that was the game. And so it was kind of a disappointing end, mm-hmm. but for a game that could have been close, and I wish Dave's vampire would have rolled a little bit better because mm-hmm. I think he would have been able to get into things a little more. Uh-huh. It was it was fun to finally get to play against Mister Whitech mm-hmm. and and have that experience. I've kind of you know I go back and I say it for a long time I did I, I did and made part of big driving part of the decision I did about me doing Wisco Dice. Mm-hmm. Was listening to, you know, Garage Hammer at work mm-hmm. and thinking, you know, this is just, you know, these guys doing the kind of Warhammer and talking about the kind of Warhammer I want to play. This is the kind of show I want to do. Mm-hmm. And this is just kind of everything I, I love and want. And I couldn't, I couldn't help but do a little fan gush while I'm playing them. And you're like, <laughs> you know, this is one of those things that's really, oh my special God, you're the best. Me. I love you. You've inspired me so much. Die, yeah, vampire is, lord. You know, you know, at some level, I think it's good, you know. Yeah. It's not like we're superstars, none of us that are doing the <laughs> podcast thing. And it's good to hear that once in a while. It mm-hmm. helps you keep going, wanting to do what you're doing. Definitely. So it was, you know, I got that chance to play him, and then I got to play against the Phoenix Prince, Harrison. He was playing High Elves. He was playing his High Elves, mm-hmm. and Harrison never really saw War Sphinxes, I don't think, before. <laughs> he didn't know really how to deal with them. And mm-hmm. unlike Ryan, who got a little lucky on his dice rolling to be mm-hmm. able to take him off the board, 
in this game, my worst mix is just ran wild, and until he did finally get one of a, one of the three off the board, mm-hmm. but it, after it taken fairly high heavy damage, he charged some high elf archers in. They got a lucky six, and it died. Oof. But uh, yeah, at that point, it was down four wounds, anyways. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take even. You just got to get that lucky six, and boop, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And I. I it was a. Uh, it was fun. It was really fun to play against Harrison. I I've got a new appreciation for the for the ki- for the kid. He's, he's really pretty much on top of his stuff. He knows. He's, yeah. He knows what his stuff does. Mm-hmm. He knows what his rules are. Yep. Um. He's Very sharp. Only got the only. He's only got the direction to move up as he figures out, and he's got a great bunch of little gu- uh, guys to play with there mm-hmm. that are some great Warhammer players. So he's going to have a. a I think I think he's going to be somebody to look out for mm-hmm. four or five years from now mm-hmm. on the tournament scene when he starts really turning the turning the bend and starts getting his painting down and and starts really getting the tactics even more solid than what he's got. I, I'm mm-hmm. really looking. I think he's uh, somebody to look out for. Yeah, very sharp player and a great sportsman as well. And oh yeah, we he's playing. You could probably tell from listening to our podcast, we really really enjoy playing against great sportsmen and yeah, and that's really really cool. Yeah, he's playing the game for the for the reason for all the right reasons. For mm-hmm. throw, you get to throw some dice, push some models around. I, I'll be just like the next guy. I love winning just as much as the next guy. I think, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you know, I I want to throw some dice, push my models around, and and have a few laughs. And that's mm-hmm. what I find is important. And if that can happen in the game, then that's great. Yep, exactly. So I had that. Um, we play. I played a few other games. Got to play some Lord of the Rings strategy battle game against nice. Brian. We've been doing some of the fellow, uh, some of the book scenarios out of the old Fellowship of the Ring book, mm-hmm. which has inspired me to then paint on a bunch of Lord of the Rings stuff. I saw that we did the flight from Lothlorien, which is basically the Fellowship minus Gandalf mm-hmm. fleeing from Loth- uh, from Moria mm-hmm. to the. Lauren Forest and some elves eventually pop up from the you know are defending the forest and the Moria goblins are chasing them. Mm-hmm. I almost won that. I was so close. <laughs> All I had to do is kill. I had I had enough. I either had to kill Frodo or kill more than more models of the Fellowship than he can get off the board before his stuff breaks. Mm-hmm. And I was down to I needed to kill one more model, and it just happened that the last model on the board was Frodo, <laughs> and I couldn't quite get him. <laughs> and it was close. I mean, it was a couple nice. of dice rolls close, so it was that was really good. And then we played the uh, Balin's Tomb scenario in mm-hmm. for, in Moria too, where where we had to use the whole fellowship. And that and you got to use your cool terrain as well. I saw. Yeah, I got to use the cool terrain and uh, that I got from Advanced. I don't remember who I got that from. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I got we got to play in the Moria's terrain, and it was. A really, it was really a lot of fun. I love playing the the scenarios from the book. I, I got more enjoyment actually out of playing those than I've gotten out of just playing pickup games in, in Lord of the Rings. Just mm-hmm. because it was, um, it felt more story and very felt thematic. more fluffy. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, more thematic. Um, the Balin's Tomb thing didn't go very well for him, but it was still <laughs> a really a ton of fun and really enjoyable. And I'm looking forward to that. Brian Brian. Uh, who's been on the show before and I think is going to be on later in the second part of the show, is uh, 
looking, me and him are looking to do some more Lord of the Rings strategy battle games, some like a little campaign or something to try to go through all of the, because he just picked up, I have Return of the King and Fellowship mm-hmm. of the Ring. He had, he just picked up the Two Towers book. Yeah. So we'll be able to play through all the scenarios in all three books. And we kind of talked about, let's do that. Nice. All sequentially and then have some little benefits and negatives as we go through them. Very cool. That sounds like you had some decent gaming going on. Yeah, there's there was some more Warhammer too. I must have picked up at least eight or ten Warhammer games since we recorded last. Probably it, yeah. it's been pretty busy holidays. I look to play a lot of war gaming, mm-hmm. a lot of gaming. Period. Obviously, on my birthday we had big board game day. Oh, yeah. Even even at Federcon, I played a game of Settlers mm-hmm. at and, like what eleven o'clock at night or something like that. I think I saw mm, it was late. Yeah, probably probably <laughs> we were finishing that up, but. I think that was the last game we played, and it must have been because I got home about two, so it must have been about midnight when that finished. Yeah, and we played, we played that, we played. You were playing purple, weren't you? I think so. Yeah. Why were you playing purple? Is there even like was that one of the colors that comes with the expansion? No, it was a really, 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 really old set, like a first edition printing or something mm-hmm. that White Tech had, and then that was the colors that came with like the expansions back there, back then, or purple. like the like. Because you didn't have, there wasn't huh. a five and six player expansion back evidently when White Tech bought it. You had to go oh, wow. buy another set, and the other set came in different colors. So you could buy two different sets, and they were two different colors or something like that. Wow. It was really, really old set of settlers. It was really wow. kind of cool to play on it. Isn't David Whitek the hipster gamer? I, I wouldn't. I, I think you're throwing around this hipster thing <laughs> a little bit too much. Oh, come on. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was really cool to play on that. So Nice. Very, very cool. I think at this point, we'll go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll hit our awesome models you might have missed and go from there. Do you want to speed up your games with super accurate measuring and control your dice from flying everywhere? Then Prism Gaming is your place to shop. Do you love beautiful, bold colors and amazing washes with a huge selection of colors? then Prism Gaming is your place to shop. If you love to game, then you love Prism Gaming. For all of their products and materials, shop www.prismgamer.com. Welcome back to Whisker Dice. <clears throat> hey, Why, you know, thank you. Hey, we've been joined by someone. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Hello. That someone is very beautiful and pretty, and I'm getting brownie points. <laughs> Brown noser. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, we're, we've been joined by my wonderful, beautiful wife, the Mrs. Conzy herself, mm-hmm. and we're she's here to go ahead and talk to you folks again about the this, polar plunge. This oh. crazy jumping lake. That's frozen over. Crazy sauce in Willow Island. Just lunacy. So <laughs> go ahead and tell our fan, uh, listeners about about what you're doing and what they can do to try to help out the charity. Well, February 9th, there's uh, myself and a bunch of my girls from my roller derby team going to be jumping into a hole in a lake, cutting the ice. That for- sounds crazy. 
for Special Olympics. I heard you were going to have Paul do this, too. Oh, he, he's welcome to join us. He's not too chicken to jump with a bunch of girls. I heard Ben was going to join you, too. No, there's no insanity that Ben's <laughs> going to do this. There's no amount of you guys can talk me into I doing think this. Next year there is an amount talk- of alcohol that we could talk you into doing it, though, I bet. I will not <laughs> further deny that, that rumor, but <laughs> we just get a bottle of vodka. I think we should you. have Wisco Dice do their own jump team next year. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, no. There no. goes those brownie points. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't need brownie points that much. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, February 9th, we're going to be jumping in the lake at Willow Island. I'm sure the link is still up on the Wisco Dice page. Make a donation. Help assist out. Help us reach our goal. Yep. Uh, all the proceeds go for Special Olympics. So, yep. We'll have all the, we have all the information up on the Wisco Dice site. It's mm-hmm. one of the posts off the main page. And we'll go ahead and put that link again in the show notes for the show so that you should have it there as well. So that you Thank can go you ahead in and advance. Oh, the awesome Skull Brothers. Yes, yes. They made a donation to me last week or the, for the, from the last episode, I think. For, uh, somewhere mm-hmm. back then, yeah. A couple Thank you, Awesome Skull go. Brothers. You mm-hmm. guys are... Skull Bros Awesome. Thank you very much what? for that donation. Skull what? Bro. Awesome. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. For what I hear. I haven't met them. I think we're going to hang out with them next weekend. Yeah, they're going to be at the... Oh. Whoa. So it'll be good to see them. Thanks, uh, all of you guys, for taking the time to consider donating, and please do so. It doesn't take a whole lot. Just a dollar from everyone that downloads this show would be, Amazing. you know, ridiculously awesome. That would be I mean, that's not a lot. I mean, we don't awesome. ask. We don't ask our fans for for cash or shout, you know, to help pay for the show or shout outs or anything like that. But the only thing we've asked you guys for is a little bit of money for charity. That's not too much to ask, and if you're and in the good U.S. Charity. If you're in the U.S., mm-hmm. that money is tax deductible, so you can go ahead and and take that into your accountant or your tax Chatting. preparer when you when you have your taxes done, and they'll be able to go ahead and hopefully work it in so you get a little bit extra money back from Uncle Sam on your tax return. There you go. Cha-ching. I, can, I love extra money. Mm-hmm. Extra money is always Everyone good. Everyone does. That gets more minis for the household. He does. <laughs> <laughs> more minis is good. More games. Yes. More board games, more fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that is always a good thing to do. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. You guys are awesome, as always, with my Wisco Dice men. Yay. Yep. Yay, I'm somebody awesome likes us. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> you got a fan. Yay. Somebody other than the fan that beats us up in the parking lot. That's yeah. amazing. That's, he's a very crazy not fan. Nice fan. He is. He is He is brutal. <sighs> so. All right. Thanks a lot, Tina, for taking the time. Appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to have me on, and thank you in advance for donating. Yay. Yay. And there was much rejoicing. <laughs> Yay. Awesome models you might have missed. I still don't understand why you can sing, but I can't. And because I, I make all the degree. rules. I don't like your it's rules. My executive your powers rules suck. I hate your rules. So does your face. I'm going to put up with you. I'm going to rage against weeks. you, who are the machine. Wow, uh, this is you don't. There is no Polly's rant. This is awesome models you might have missed. So what are we talking about here? Well, I guess I'll talk about Warhammer. All right. Awesome. Warhammer stuff. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to talk about the Fort World Night Goblins. 
No, if you're on Twitter, whatever, you might have already not heard the these. Best. The goblins are awesome. You might have already seen these, but there are just amazing models that have been put out right now by Forge World. Literally yesterday, they released the information that these were going to be released. It's a three-pack of models. I believe the retail price is thirty pounds, and it consists of a banner battle standard bearer for night goblins, an armored squig rider for night goblins, and also a night goblin shaman, which is being lifted off the ground by a puff of smoke, like some green <clears throat> googly evil gork or mork, possibly gork or possibly mork energy. Yeah, just like. Lifting him off the ground, and he's got it coming out of his mouth. It's it's, it's pretty pretty model. So Forge World, as we all know, is a basically boutique company off of Games Workshop. So nothing they ever show ever shows up on the Games Workshop website. You might see their models occasionally in other people's armies, but they have this kind of weird thing where they don't ever actually sell their models for any kind of a discount to anyone ever. So if you want their models, you basically have to call up Nottingham, get the models from them. So, or catch them at, when or, they're in an American trade show like Gen Con. Correct. They were here last year. And they, or you can catch them. at a de- They're definitely here for Adepticon. Mm-hmm. And hopefully correct. some more conventions in the U.S. coming in 2013. Absolutely. And so that makes them kind of, I don't know, most players that are casual Warhammer players have never heard of Forge World. I've noticed at, least, that, at least they haven't seen mm-hmm. actual Forge World models. Correct. Uh, when I bring my mammoth in, people are always like, oh, where is that from? Oh, it's from Forge World, you know. It's something that a lot of people take for granted that everybody knows Forge World makes models. But Ben, what's your opinion of these night goblins? I'm I'm very pleased with them. I'm I'm re- the banner bearer himself is really sharp. I really love that mm-hmm. model. The uh, armored squig rider I, that model is really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I include it in my army, <laughs> but it is a really cool model. It's mm-hmm. uh if I was going to have a this is a model that Games Workshop should have produced for their <laughs> hero on Great Giant Cave Swig mm-hmm. because it's one of the ones where they... It's not a Pumagore, but the current GW one is kind of eh. Oh, I like it. Yeah. But I, I have two of them, so... I I mean, I, it, it's cool. It's a big giant mm-hmm. squig, but this is just a cool big giant this is, nasty squig. Well, but this is a centerpiece model, I think, is really kind of what you might be getting at. That's what the GW one should have been because mm-hmm. it's a character model. It should be closer to a settlement. Uh, and, and now they finally did one, and it's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, just kind of a basic description of this. It, the armored squig basically is about the same size, as far as I can see, as the giant cave squig that Games Workshop itself produces. But it's got all kinds of pieces of overlapping armor on it, and I think it's got a couple of tusks jutting out from the armor, and it's got a really cool looking night goblin on the back of the model itself. And I think it's on a forty by forty base as well. It definitely looks like a special character, or a name character in some upcoming book or something like that, as far as I can see. But it it's just first and foremost a very, very pretty model. Very nice design, and, and it would definitely look not out of place in any Warhammer army at all. Oh, he looks sweet. I mean, I, re- I mean, it's a really cool model. It's well worth taking time and taking a look and gander and checking it out. Uh, and then also we've got the Battle Standard Bear, which you mentioned, Ben. That one's a really nice model. It's just basically a standard Night Goblin, and then it's got uh, a twig banner that at the top sprouts into a T, and then it's got two banners coming down on either side, and it's got an embossed. Like the, um, the bad moon of the bad moon on both sides of the banner. It yeah, just, it's a, it looks really, really this cool. Is definitely, you're like your mm-hmm. your bad moon bearer. You know, battle standard bearer. Yeah. You know, you could use it very easily for your 
for your army. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely am going to pick. I definitely, I, you know, I got the goblin army. And I got the mm-hmm. orcs and goblins. These, I have never picked up a Forge World model before. This is the first time Forge World has put out something that I look at mm-hmm. and I go, darn, I can use <laughs> I that need stuff. that. Yeah. So I can use it. And it looks so mm-hmm. cool. So I'm going to actually pick these up at mm-hmm. some point in the very near future. At least, at least it says thirty pounds, and it's a buy now on their website. So, yep, uh, uh, it should be it's buy now, and it's shipped January twenty sixth, I believe, is what they said it in says the email. Friday, so. January twenty fifth is what the 25th, website says. Sorry. So, and the really interesting kind of thing with this release is that it actually fills in, in my opinion, kind of a gap in the range, because Night Goblins have been an established sub race in Orcs and Goblins for forever. They've had a bunch of different standard bears. But there's really not a standout battle standard bearer for Night Goblins. Even this guy doesn't stand. I mean, he's he looks so much like the mm-hmm. rest of the Night Goblins. Correct. The only thing that really stands out, really pops on him, is the mm-hmm. crazy uber detailed banner, yeah. which is makes sense because the like they're some not, of the they're Night a Goblin race. So some, why would he want him? Yeah, to stand if you look out. at the Games Workshop Night Goblin Heroes, mm-hmm. a lot of those models are bigger uh-huh. than the, the current plastic night goblins mm-hmm. and they're like armored bits and stuff on them which doesn't seem to make sense this guy's no he's like i fade in <laughs> you know i'm paying yeah. you're paying bsb points for me so you can't afford anything better than light armor and a sword with <laughs> me so maybe a shield so uh, uh i don't have very much good armor mm-hmm. i don't i don't look very fancy and that's exactly what the model looks like yeah and it's also and it's interesting because it's also the first time that forge world has put out multiple models under one package basically and they're different unit types so obviously we've got a bsb a wizard well they're they're all characters so well yeah it's a three model character pack effectively is what it looks like so and as ben was saying the armored squig makes a great hero on armored squig or if you've already got giant cave squig it makes a great lord on a great cave squig as well it's something that really would, to the eye, make a huge difference and look beautiful on the table. Yeah, he, he does look really cool. I really do like him. I don't know if he's quite perfectly in line with the rest of the Squig models, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I care. He just looks really cool. Yeah. So there you go. The Forge World Night Goblins, go ahead and check them out. And if you've never checked out Forge World, make sure you look around their side. They've got a bunch of gorgeous models. There's a lot of great models that you can use so they're you know definitely designed and flow right into your warhammer army mm-hmm. particularly for warriors of chaos mm-hmm. and for empire yeah. um still the faithless is another one of those great models that really really fits in well as a zinch sorcerer but for those of you who don't know forge world is literally to my understanding in the same building as games workshop it's just the same place but since Forge World doesn't really give a discount, they don't sell anything anywhere else. Yeah, they, just, yeah, they, they, they don't take it there. They don't do distributors or no. anything like that. It's all direct sell, mm-hmm. limited run type models, things. It's it's really the company that Games Workshop was mm-hmm. originally correct when they first started doing models, where mm-hmm. they just it's a bunch of guys who are like. Dude, we got this really cool idea. We want to make this awesome model. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, and we'll make up that. rules for it. We'll write a book so you can make this cool model. It, it's it's a cool thing. So definitely check them out. All right, let's go ahead then, since we're done with the awesome models. So let's talk about our points from the new year, from from year one. So. All right. Let's go ahead. I, I know one of the things we I wanted to talk about here mm-hmm. were Paul. What were your what was your high point or couple of high points for 2012? What what 
things did we do as Wisco Dice? Do you look back on and you're the mo- you know that was this was the kind of signature moments that you were hoping to get out of doing this podcast thing? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, those to me are actually pretty easy, and ironically enough, there was one actually right away uh, after we recorded our first episode. We went to Wapaka, and just how many people knew who we were, who I was? I'd, I'd never been to a big tournament at all. And I, in the U.S., but people I'd never met before coming up, shaking my hand, and be like, "Oh, I heard you on the Witsko Dice." You know, it's really, really cool to have you. It was just, it was amazing how much there was an immediate sense of like we're now a part of this podcasting community, even after only doing one show. And that was really, really cool. Uh, that was easily a high point for me. I didn't anticipate something like that happening. And then also going to events uh, later on, like North Star, etc. We have people who just walk up to you and are like, hey, I listen to your show. You know, like, I really like you guys. And just the conversations that you have with people you don't play a game with, you've never met before, that immediately start out with, hey, I feel like, you know, I know you. Hey, let's have a conversation or, you know, let's have a drink. It's really, really cool to have this, like, new point of I have a reason to talk to you and I have a reason to strike up a conversation and maybe I made a new friend. I mean, like... That's really, really cool, and it's an amazing experience to have that happen at these huge events. You know, you go up to Minnesota, and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to know, like, ten people there, and then, like, five people are like, hey, I totally listened to your show, never met you before. Wow, okay. That's awesome. It, it's a really cool experience. That's cool. I was, and that's a, I, I've been around the community and going to events for a lot longer than you have, so mm-hmm. I knew a lot. I've known a lot more people, mm-hmm. so I, it wasn't that wasn't such a big deal for me, but that is definitely a cool perspective from you mm-hmm. for me uh, the biggest thing that i've i've really that i look back at 2012 and everything we did in, in 2012 my favorite thing that I've kind of picks out for myself is uh having the the show where we had the terrain went on and we were mm-hmm. able to kind of pick her brain a little bit and, and get inspiration and then things that i learned from her mm-hmm. and it, it ha- and I hate to say it, it happens to be probably our most downloaded show after episode <laughs> one <laughs> but uh yeah that was a really really cool show and it was one of the first shows where we we got away from at least in the early shows where we had really co- totally got away from doing the bicker and we focused on something that was hobby orientated mm-hmm. and and really showed uh, a different side to I think what you know, both of us and and what we are passionate about in the hobby. Mm-hmm. And, of course, to have somebody like the Terrain Winch on the show, was that's the first time we've had somebody. We maybe had the wives on, mm-hmm. and we had some of the local guys on. But that was the first time we had somebody that was kind of well-known in the community for her work and, and her effort mm-hmm. to be able to come on the show and, and to have kind of like this almost like a guest star kind mm-hmm. of kind of thing on the on the show and that was really cool so that was a big one for me very very cool uh was there anything else that you wanted from 2012 that maybe is your uh, another highlight point that that was really big for you for me it also has been just when we first went to wapaka <clears throat> uh, which is after this first episode i took a bunch of pictures and put them online and i got a bunch of feedback about that and it was really really cool and then even just this last event at North Star, I just was going around taking pictures. And the and of course this is about Twitter, so Ben's probably like, ah, no, about the Twitter, Twitter things. Again. I mean, I but 
I, I mean, start, we started the show. I mean, just mm-hmm. on the Twitter thing, we started the show. I had probably ten tweets to my name yeah. in a year. I've tweeted over twelve. I think I'm closing in on eleven or twelve hundred tweets now. I'm closing on I think eight thousand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a difference. You yeah. you have a, a better opportunity to sit while mm-hmm. you're at work and be on Twitter. I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, but the the thing, the cool thing for me was I was at North Star, and I was watching other tournaments happen and like having conversations with people. In the UK or Australia or New Zealand or Germany, everywhere, while everybody else in the US was asleep. You know, like I walked into a bowling alley at five o'clock in the morning in Minneapolis, and the bowling alley is full of people. And I tweet that, and I've got enough people who follow me and who, you know, listen to the podcast and look at the tweets to like have a conversation at five o'clock in the morning. And that was just, it was really, really cool. It makes me, for me, the tournament weekends, it's, the whole time that I'm there, like the 72 hours, there's always somebody that's on Twitter to have a conversation or in person to have a conversation. And instead of being my games, and then if I want to drink, okay, drink and hang out, and then, okay, whatever, it makes it a full-on tournament weekend where I'm watching things going on all over the world and just having a full experience of watching Warhammer as an entity, you know, as this hobby juggernaut really affect everybody's lives and how much fun it is for me to be a part of that aspect. That's really, really cool to me. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I got, I got my, my last, my last big highlight for me in 2012, the biggest thing that, that I can bring back that was something new that I hadn't done before. And was not only was it new and I hadn't done it before, but was for the right cause. Mm-hmm. And that was when we did the 24 hour marathon mm-hmm. for extra life. And being able to be included in that and being asked, hey, guys, can you do this? Mm -hmm. And seeing the donations come in in the last 24 hours or so before the day and and seeing us make our both make our goals and Mm -hmm. and know that, hey, you know, this all this work we put into trying to talk to people to, you know, get a little money for charity and whatever it was, it was really come to fruition and be able to do this thing. Mm -hmm. That was great. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud I was asked to do that. And, and thank you very much, Cranky, for thinking of us and including us. And, and definitely please reach out to us again next year if you're listening to this. And, and we would definitely, I mean, from my perspective, I definitely want to do that again and, mm-hmm. and be included with it. It's, it was, it was one of those once in a kind of lifetime, uh, things to do. And, and even though I was dead exhausted at the end of 24 hours of craziness and we had traveled all over, all the way to Rockford and back and, and over to a friend's house here in town to play board games and back and, and then finally settled down here for the last four or five hours where I had to just put up with Paul. That, <laughs> that was, uh, it was so worth it. I mean, it was great. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of magical. All the games were all fun. Everything, the day was good. Yeah. Uh, from people that I was hanging out with at the tournament to mm-hmm. people that I was, you know, people at the board game, you know, mm-hmm. board game night that my buddy was running. And then finally, you know, getting home. And mm-hmm. we played several games here, and they were all, like, fun and laughing. And it was mm-hmm. one of those... There are times when Paul and I really get on each other's nerves and we bicker, and that was not one of those times. We really just sat <laughs> no. down, had fun. We didn't care so much mm-hmm. about the silliness, uh, or you know, when thing bad things happened or rules things. It was just one of those magical times, and it was great. And to be mm-hmm. able to do that all for the right thing for mm-hmm. 
for kids and children's hospitals was awesome. And, and like I said, I'm really looking forward to being included and being able to do that again for 2013. Very, very cool. So those are big things. I mean, charity and kids are always a soft point for me. I mean, I, I've been doing the Merry Mayhem thing for years and mm-hmm. with or without Wisco dies, I was going to do that. And that's a big highlight for my 2012 as, as well was being able to pull off Merry Mayhem this year and as much money as I did for charity. But mm-hmm. that was, that was outside of Wisco dies. I mean, that was, I was going to do that. I mean, it's my fourth year doing it. I mean, I was just going to mm-hmm. do it anyways. Yeah, definitely. So I do think Wisco dies contributed to some of the success maybe there, but mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, that being said, I think I've got some goals that I'd like to see for 2013 mm-hmm. for Wisco Dice. The things that I want just from a show perspective, mm-hmm. orientated just around what we're doing for the show. I think we've done some some great things in the first year. Some things that I'm, I'm not so proud of either, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about those as well, I think, in a touch. But for the big things for 2013, things that you guys, the listeners, can get kind of excited about and hopefully are things that you want us to see us do. And if not, if not let us know. Mm-hmm. But I know we talked originally when we had started Wisco Dice. Mm-hmm. We had kind of made this, okay, after six months, if we're still doing this, maybe we'll try to get some sponsors or mm-hmm. maybe we'll try to get a little more you know, maybe do some shout outs or something like that to try to cover some expenses and put a, a, a next, the next big money push into investing into the show. Mm-hmm. And I think about that six month mark, that's when we got our new mixer and, mm-hmm. and everything sounded better. And, and the show has gotten, you know, it went from like kind of rough to, I think it's a much more polished thing. And mm-hmm. we're still learning more and more. I mean, every time I edit, I learn more about cleaning up the audio and fixing yeah. the audio. And it's always a learning experience, which is always, I mean, the great, the, one of the best things about doing the podcast thing. Mm-hmm. But for 2013, I, uh, and we talked about, like I said, we talked about this when we started doing the show, is we wanted to do some video battle reports and maybe even video event coverage. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I think is a goal. I want to go ahead in 2013 for the show. I want to be able to pick, make sure that we pick up a real nice HD video camera. Mm-hmm. And have that and then go ahead and start trying to get something going with a YouTube channel and do something. I don't want these videos. I mean, one of the things that me personally, I don't want is to have videos that we're doing that are just shot off of like somebody's cell phone. (laughs) We can do those and that's cool or, you know, whatever we've got. But that's one of the things I really want to see in 2013 that we do. And I think that'll be really cool. And I think that'll put us... You know, one of the things we're always trying to endeavor for for you guys, whether we pull it off or not, it's a whole other story. <laughs> but we try to endeavor to always bring the highest quality content and and material. So, you know, the sound quality is always a constantly like I'm like for the audio, I'm always constantly looking at how do I drive the sound quality better? Mm-hmm. What kind of equipment maybe can we invest in that's going to turn the next corner? I'm always researching and reading. I mean, I'm a technical kind of guy. It's what mm-hmm. I do for a living. And so that's one of the things that I'm doing. And so the next the next thing I want to do is that when we do a video, when we do a regular video casting or video reporting mm-hmm. i want that to go to the next level and i want us to be able to put out really high quality material there might not be the best content but with mm-hmm. very high quality material as far <laughs> as the we can fix content i think mm-hmm. i think and i think you've heard that over the last year yeah definitely so the other thing that i wanted to do and i want to make sure that wisco dice brings and i think paul is in agreement here is that we want to go ahead and bring more recording while at while at events mm-hmm. um, whether those recordings are just little snippets of talking to people little small interviews or if they're full sit downs like what we did for the blood in the sun i think that's mm-hmm. something that people want to hear i enjoyed doing the blood in the sun event mm-hmm. um i enjoyed doing the screw city stuff 
Even though we weren't able to grab as many people as I would have liked, we certainly in 2013 have already in, in, I've per- made, we've made some purchases as a show to increase our st- our studio area for our travel rigs so that we'll mm-hmm. be able to have more, even more people on microphones and sitting and gathered together so you won't, like blood in the sun. We had, well, there must have been a dozen people or more mm-hmm. all standing around the table. And I know some of those guys would have loved to have been able to sit down to mics yeah. and be able to talk on the sh- on the bits that we recorded there and didn't mm-hmm. have that opportunity because we just didn't have we enough recorded. we didn't have <laughs> we didn't have bikes for them to sit at so yeah that's always kind of a thing the direction we're going i don't know paul what do you have any specific goals for 2013 that you'd like to see or like to see us hit um well for me it's really about trying to like ben said maintain the best podcast that we possibly can do and i think for me, a lot of it is just to understand and really kind of figure out exactly where we fit a little bit within the podcasting community. I think that's something that we've done in the beginning. We struggled a little bit to do in the early 2012. Just when our our first couple of episodes came out, we thought that a lot of our appeal was simply because we argued. I mean, we always argue. Ben and I always do. Pretty much. And And so I was like, okay, well, maybe that's our thing. Maybe our podcast is about Ben and I arguing. And we learned pretty quickly, and you let us know pretty quickly, that's something that it's kind of fun every once in a while, but we can definitely take it too far. And so for me, it's really about trying to find a good relationship between Ben and I so that when you're listening to the podcast, you really get the, the friendship that we have, not just necessarily the arguments. And it's not just one of us talking or the other of us talking and, you know, this like, okay, well, they're both sitting in the same room together. I I would like it to be... A little bit more of people can understand why we come and sit down together every two weeks and hang out and talk about Warhammer as an experience. I think Ben and I both have a lot of passion about Warhammer as a hobby itself. And what I think that we could do a little bit better is just to make sure that people understand that there are a lot of points that we get together and understand that our passions, while maybe not the same, make for a good team, make for a good listening experience for you as the listener and for you as the fans. Sure. And so that's something I'd really like to work on and, and, and do a better job of in 2013. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, we want to bring the fan experience. Mm-hmm. After all, it's you guys, the fans, the listeners. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could sit here and talk on the mics forever. <laughs> forever. Just we turn the mics whatever. on, we keep talking. Do whatever. I mean, yeah. that's that could just happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, by the time you get done editing audio mm-hmm. and stuff, that... You know, you're looking at between the time to record, mm-hmm. time to finish a show, you're looking at, you know, easily four to six hours of our time mm-hmm. to put out every single one of our episodes. Correct. And, you know, when you're doing that, every, you know, two it, weeks, it, every two weeks, we pumped out, <laughs> we did 26 shows plus two two parters. There was two second parters there mm-hmm. that we had to edit. So that's 28 mm-hmm. plus a .5 cast. Yep. So that's 29 shows in 2012. Mm-hmm. That's an aggressive load when you're looking at six hours every time minimum mm-hmm. every time you record a show that our personal time when we're not able to hobby mm-hmm. or able to do stuff. So having... We want to be able to put a show that you guys enjoy. We don't want to, you know, we're not doing all this work just to hear ourselves talk. Mm-hmm. I like hearing myself talk. Don't <laughs> I, get me I wrong. I think the listeners know that. But, I think the listeners know I like hearing myself talk, too. I mean, and, but that's the fun. I mean, like, that's the community that I love being a part of in Warhammer, and I've definitely talked about it a couple times in 2012. I love Warhammer as a community almost more than I love Warhammer as a game. It's just... 
it's really cool to have this relationship with all these different people all over the U.S. and potentially all over the world. Just about one thing, Warhammer. It's cool. Sure. Now you get to know and understand, you know, and have a common level of of communication, and then mm-hmm. you know, you get to know people from there. It's it is a really cool thing, and and it's great to be able to do the show. And we want to grow the show definitely in a, in a way that that attracts and draws more and more listeners and to be able to pump out another 28, 29 shows Mm -hmm. in 2013 and go, Hey, we're going to be here for a long time to come. And Mm -hmm. we want to keep doing this Wisco dice thing for for a long time. We've done better. You know, we've improved. We've, we've made the show more interesting to listen to and also hopefully more informative and better with the rules. (laughs) Rules are are not our strong point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely that. I, and moving forward for 2013, I think one of the things that I didn't mention, and one of the things I highlighted as one of my high points was having guests on the having a guest on the show that that was kind of a we kind of a guest star and, and an expert in their community. Mm-hmm. And 2013 is one of those years that I want to shoot for having more. I want more people in the studio mm-hmm. instead of just me and you. I want to have more of the local guys in the studio. I want to have more uh, guests in the studio, more mm-hmm. subject matter that can pertain to those fans because I think that's an, important. I think people love hearing, you know, when I go back and I look at our uh, what are our more our best shows for 2012? Mm-hmm. You know the ones that people keep downloading or we keep getting hits on, and those shows are the painting casts that we've mm-hmm. done. Those shows are the hobby casts, the terrain casts we've done. Mm-hmm. Those are the shows where I've gotten the quickest and most direct feedback from fans going hey look at this cool stuff i've done Mm -hmm. you know and we want to bring more now i want to bring more of that too as well to 2013 i know there's other shows that that do talk about that those kind of things Mm -hmm. but that's also one of the things when we get to doing like the video casting and stuff like that we'll be able to demonstrate and show more as well Mm -hmm. so definitely i think that's i think that's a pretty good summary of, of our goals not only from you know kind of the first year but also as uh, 2013 goals, the things you can look forward to, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully. Uh, finally, we we wanted to go ahead and talk a little bit about things that we went, oops, <laughs> this didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work out well. Well, I think the, the really easy thing that we're going to talk about a little bit later is getting an army book and reviewing it two or three hours later. That, that didn't was, work out so well. I worked out. I think it was kind of cool to do it, mm-hmm. I, and I I don't know if I'd do it again, yeah. but but it was kind of cool to do that and just mm-hmm. to go through kind of the book together mm-hmm. and and kind of you know I'd flip through it and looked at it and went ooh this is cool ooh this is kind of not cool ooh this model's cool mm-hmm. but to then to kind of do the analysis that that far in, that early into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably do that again. I mean, I don't. I, I don't <laughs> think it turned out as well, and, and we missed some things. But mm-hmm. it was, I thought it was cool to be able to go ahead and get that coverage that quickly, and then flip that show around as quickly as we did. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool because that put us on like the first. Not only were we the new kids on the block, but mm-hmm. but the for you know this is the first you got to hear people talking about vampire counts. Yeah, and while then you got to hear other people talk about vampire counts and do it better, mm-hmm. probably. You know, it was obvious that we had the book for literally two or three hours. Mm-hmm. But that was like an oops. That was definitely an oops. I think the other big oops that we've already kind of highlighted on was the amount of bickering we did early in the show and that that, that was a big detraction mm-hmm. and that people would 
you know, just tune us out or just turn off the show rather than listen to some. There was some really good content in some of those shows, <laughs> but at the same time, when we were bickering and arguing, it was mm-hmm. a real big turnoff as well. So we've we've really kind of isolated that and cleaned that up a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still some times, but it's it's cleaned up a lot. And, uh, from the, from the early shows, and we want to continue to try to not get to that point where we're like, really, grr. Mm-hmm. So, that was something that, I mean, that was fan feedback that helped us change that. Mm-hmm. I think the other big thing that, I mean, from a technical side, from a, oops, our first mixer I bought, mm-hmm. that was, I, I, I love that, the old little Alesis mixer, the Multi-Mix 8. Mm-hmm. It's a great mixer for doing this kind of thing. You know, it's inex- fairly inexpensive for the capabilities. The problem was is that I didn't realize that you should have bought the USB 2.0 version, and I bought the straight-up USB version, <laughs> which didn't give us the ability to do multi-track mixing mm-hmm. to our PC. And when we were recording directly to the PC, that without the tracks broken out there was a lot less we could do in the editing phase to like level out volumes Mm -hmm. to you know compressor type effects those kind of things and if i'm coughing and ben's talking we couldn't take that out no it was really it (laughs) It was was like oh uh, we just gotta keep that in so yeah and if i was saying um and ben was saying and so content it was stuck in you know we couldn't clean up there was a lot of things we couldn't do from a technical standpoint Mm -hmm. and i think that's when we got to that six month point and we started i started looking at other mixers and we got a new mixer uh that that was you you hear right away i think it was like about august we you know but we got all that gear and the new gear in studio Mm -hmm. that you could just hear right away that it was the show was so much cleaner Mm -hmm. there was a learning it was like a whole new learning curve because by about then we'd figured out how to use the old one exactly (laughs) and uh so that was that was really good as well so that was that was like those were a couple of things that i i knew were oops that I I found right off the bat. Was there anything else that was big oops moments that you had in 2012? Well, I think it might be fair to say that a big oops moment was me saying that we had a Facebook contest before we had anywhere near the number of people <laughs> that would allow us to complete the Facebook contest, uh, the Facebook likes or the 100 likes. Yeah, I think there was a misunderstanding <laughs> on something either I posted or you posted. Yeah, I posted and, something. It was just, and yeah, then you it know. turned into, oh hey, we're doing this contest now for six uh, months. <laughs> what? Wait a minute, we didn't think this out. No, but it worked out. Yeah, we were able to finish it out. And uh, looking at our Wisco Dice page as of today, we have what a hundred and seven likes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty solid. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, but it just the highlight behind there is just a little bit better communication, but also just knowing maybe our limitations of we are primarily a Warhammer Entertainment podcast. And while it's really cool for us to get 100 likes on Facebook, that might not be the best thing for us to be pushing <laughs> if we're not really in a point to make 100 easily. So, you know, it. I think we might have annoyed a couple of our listeners just by saying for six months, please, 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 please like our Facebook page. Yeah, there was probably a little bit about of that. But at the same time, I, I'm glad we did it. Mm-hmm. It all worked out great, and I get to we got to give away a bunch of stuff to people that mm-hmm. we don't know. We didn't know show. at all. <laughs> now we do. Mm-hmm. It's that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. I mean, from the Twitter community thing too. You know, you talk about social media and you talk about things that are like, "Ooh, these are highlights of 2012." Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I we started the show. I had about. 
10 tweets maybe if I was lucky. Mm-hmm. And I had maybe like four or five guys that were following me. Mm-hmm. And they probably stay fo- stayed following me because I never tweeted anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't have Twitter loaded on my phone. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't really interact with it at all. I was I was pretty much, and I still am more of a Facebook guy than I am a Twitter guy myself, mm-hmm. or a Google Plus guy even. Yeah. I, the restrictions with Twitter kind of annoy me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's better. It's almost like a chat room mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But now, like today, I'm at like 148 or 149 followers, mm-hmm. which is crazy considering where I was like eight or nine, just in a year, I've picked up that many followers. So that's, mm-hmm. and they've, you know, some of those guys are guys that I've kind of met through the local tournaments, but mm-hmm. like, I just, I, I just give a shout out here. I mean, I did just looking at my email coming in here. Here's another follower that just hit me and is following me. It's a uh, eternal descent. This guy is from London in the UK. Mm-hmm. I got a great little fluff about looks like uh, descent potential. So I, I don't know who this guy is, but uh, it's great. He's got a lot of followers, mm-hmm. but that's really cool that I've got a another follower and I'm going to be able to interact with in the future. So that's that is when we talk about. Mm-hmm. Not only is the doing the podcast thing, it's a social thing as well and being able to to grow the community and get to know more people and to get a more of an understanding with those people of who and where we are in the world with with warhammer Mm -hmm. it's awesome very very cool those are the kind of the big oops things we got a couple more things i know the segment's running a little long but i wanted to go ahead and touch we had a couple of listener questions i posted my Wisco dice, my Twitter feed for some, were there moments or were there things that you'd like to ask the host that you'd like us to answer about 2013? And so uh, we start with, and I think we already kind of hit it, mm-hmm. but Ryan Nickel had asked, what are our hobby, tournament, or life goals for 2013? Mm-hmm. So I think I think we hit the show goals, mm-hmm. definitely. Hobby goals, uh, obviously, uh, you keep hearing me talk about it. I'm in a contest with Andrew Sherman to mm-hmm. see which one of us can paint the most models in 2013. And really, that stems from Conzie's got a disaster or had a disaster. It's a lot cleaner than it was in mm-hmm. his basement and really needs to get models off the shelf, models that are not painted and commit to this playing with painted models thing. And so I wanted to paint and get all these models that I have assembled that I already own mm-hmm. done, or at least as many of them as I can done. I was going to do the 365 originally in a year. And now I have somebody that's helping encourage me and push me by him also having kind of the same problem I have, which is too many models laying around not being <laughs> painted and not need that need to get done. So it's a kind of a nice ability to kind of have each have somebody that's uh, I know and I, I'm I'm friends with being able to help push me and at the same time have a little bit of a a gentleman's bet on the line to see who can win it. Obviously, there's no way I'm going to allow Andrew to win, but <laughs> you you get the picture. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's that's a big goal for me in 2013 and and a hobby goal and a life goal actually to be able to accomplish those things. So. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, for a hobby goal, I'd like to get my spiders done. Probably something I've been talking about the entire time that we've been on the cast, but I'd really, really like to get my Spider Rider army done. And I think Ben and I had a, a discussion beforehand that really highlighted to me why it is that I have this desire to get this army done. And for me, it's really about the fact that I have become a better player in the last year. I, I, you know, there's really no other way of me putting it, but like, I have 
gained a decent knowledge of tactics, etc. I'm not a very good player by any stretch of the imagination, but I know what I'm doing a little bit better than I did a year ago. And I, and to me, the issue is running into the fact where I'm like you know a toddler with scissors or something. I have enough knowledge in order to do well when I want to, but not enough knowledge to know why I did bad, did poorly. So when I'm playing armies, I'll play army lists that are harder than normal, and I'll just destroy people, and the next game, I, I won't. And the, the issue just simply rises from the fact that I'm not very good at playing my army because I don't learn it. I, you know, I might take a net list, or I might take something else, and I'll, I'll have fun with it, but... What I really want to do for 2013 is to get my Spider Rider army up and going, play the list, and learn how to play the list from the ground up, not from some other list that was posted on the internet, not from some tactic that somebody else has given me. I want to learn how to play this list, and I want to learn how I play this list as well, and what this list can do, and really get an understanding better of how to play Warhammer in general. And for me, that, that's really where it comes down to is I don't want to be satisfied anymore with going to tournaments and winning a few games and losing a few games and really not being able to give a decent explanation as to why I lost. I want to know how it went, why it played. Ben's told me you know, several times, when you listen to Johnny, when you listen to the Raj, they never say that they lost a the game because of bad dice. They always say, I lost because I made this mistake or I made this mistake. It's always down to the skill of the player. And I want to get to the point where... I'm not going to be the person saying I lost because I had bad dice. I lost because I made this mistake or I made this mistake. Or I won because or I did I won this and because this, I and this, did this and this and this. And, and I don't want it to be, oh, I can point out these three or five games that I played. I want it to be because I played all five games. And at the end goal being, if I'm conscious enough of my list and my playing ability to be able to do that, I should be able to concentrate on having a good game Every game that I'm playing, if you listen to Johnny, he's played the list so many times for the Beastmen that he doesn't really have to think about it too much what's going to happen. He looks at what's across the table, he plays the game, and he just can have a good time. He doesn't have to like sit there and discern and, and really you know think about it and concentrate on what's going on to figure out how his list is supposed to work. He's already played it so much that he knows basically its abilities and how it'll work. And so... To, for me to be able to do that, I think would actually free me up to be a better sports and be just enjoy the game more, enjoy each specific game and each specific opponent more. So it's, there's my hobby goal for 2013. That's, that's an ambitious goal, and, and and I have seen you grow. I mean, I've, from a personal standpoint, I've seen it, seen you grow and your skill set and your tools. I remember it wasn't too many years back, and you were just kind of the whooping boy for all of us. So <laughs> yeah. you know, oh hey, Paul's here. Okay, it's an easy win, and now you're not an easy win anymore. You're mm-hmm. it's you definitely have taken some concepts and knowledge and become a, a much more difficult mm-hmm. opponent to try to defeat. And in some points, you know, it's not only can be a difficult opponent to defeat, but you can give, you can give me some hard times trying to beat you even. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a big kind of, that's a good ambitious goal. And it is something cool for you to be able to try to achieve and, and certainly playing the same list over and over. And I've talked about that before on the show. Mm-hmm. If once you, once you settle on your army, settle into a list, and even if it's not the best list, play it over and over and over and over, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times at least mm-hmm. against different opponents and different armies 
so that you have a good understanding and feel for what your stuff does before you start making changes. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way you truly learn and understand and anticipate what your stuff is going to do. Mm -hmm. And as a side note for that goal also, I want to be a better painter. I've been working on my spiders, and I've I actually painted up a couple in the last couple of weeks. And I really want to, I guess, my specific knowledge breaks down to I want to learn how the paint goes on the model the way I want it to, to get the effect that I want. And so a, a large part of the reason that I don't want to paint my spiders fast is because I don't want to mess them up. I've spent a lot of time in the conversion, everything that that goes with it, the green stuff work, everything, the basing. And I don't want it to be something that I just throw on the table, spend a little bit of time, and have a halfway decent looking army. I want my army to look great. And really, for me right now, the point is that I haven't made it to the point with my handling of the paint to get the models to look the way I want to. So that also is my goal for 2013 from a hobby point of view, is to learn how to paint. Not from a basic paint between the lines, get three colors, make it a tournament standard. I want to learn how to paint the miniature in front of me so that it matches what I think it should look like in my head. And that's a hard goal for me, but I think it's an achievable goal. And it's something that might mean that I only paint one model every you know six or eight hours, but I'd rather have models that look like Johnny's than models that look like mine at the moment. It's fun to have where I am, and I, I think I can paint reasonably well as it is, but I'd rather paint better. Sure. That's, that's one I could definitely applaud you for. All right, let's uh, go ahead and move on to. We had uh, another question there, another uh, kind of query from Cranky. I was having a a kind of good email banter, uh, Facebook banter with Cranky last night, and he did actually have uh, a couple of questions that I wanted to cl- to hit on in, in that whole debacle of questions. Thanks, Cranky. <laughs> or that question was, how about more battle reports? You going to do more battle reports? <laughs> the answer simply is, and I think we've answered that a little bit with our tr- trying to shoot towards goals of doing video battle reports, mm-hmm. but our plan is, at least today, to do a part two, and the part two is going to be a battle report, so we're going to start right off with 2013, and our first kind of Wisco Dice shows are mm-hmm. going to be, you know, obviously a, a recap of the year kind of show, and then also a battle report as well we're trying to include today so it's going to be uh yeah we're going to do a lot more of that i think this mm-hmm. year we're going to think from the 26 the santa claus battle you, you know, i know there were some some audio issues where we would be too far away from mics i've got some things we're going to try in to even today's games to to try to enhance the audio and moving forward for 2013 that is a goal is to try to fix and make the audio work better in that environment Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean that's thank you cranky that's actually something i'd really like to do it and besides as people who do podcasting know sometimes it's really really hard to just be like all right show up podcast go home well come up come up with the topics you know Mm -hmm. not to mention you're coming up with the topics okay we've got 26 shows in our belt this is show 27 Mm -hmm. coming up with topics every every two weeks is sometimes kind of difficult to do so Mm -hmm. doing the battle reports will help us extend our topic range and keep Mm -hmm. things fresh from a topic perspective Mm -hmm. so that we're not 
looping back to the same three or four topics. Obviously, there are a lot of additional army books we can review mm-hmm. that we haven't done, and, and but I don't think that's what we're known for, and that's what mm-hmm. we're best at. So we want to do things that we're better at, and those things are more of the hobby type orientated stuff, mm-hmm. the tournament reports, those kind of things. And those are the kind of things I think in 2013 we want to focus on. And to help us keep things fresh, we're going to infl- we're going to add in a lot more battle reports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be any kind of like drowning of battle reports, but I'd like to have four or five of them this year. All right, sounds good. All right, let's go ahead then, and we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll hit our gaming spotlight, talk about a great kind of board card game, and then we'll. Uh, uh, move on to our VC recamp and get things done for the show. Sounds good. What what what's that place? The last the last circle, the the last triangle. No wait, the last square. That's what it is. The last square located on O'Dana Road. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. They have. The huge selection of miniatures, everything from 5mm scale all the way up to 25, 28, everything you could imagine. Yeah, it's the basically the war game store of Madison, Wisconsin, with every wargaming need you can just about imagine or think you wanted, and a lot of things you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly. They also have model railroads and rockets. All sorts of good stuff for the geek in ya. Alright. And if you can't get to the square, you can always check them out on their website, thelastsquare.com. Exactly. Okay, we are back. We are back. And I'm yeah. back, too. Oh! oh, oh. <laughs> no! Year one! What is that strange, untold of voice I am hearing in my headset? It's, is it the dog? Kraken, <laughs> what are you doing? Well, we've been joined by the Kraken. Yes. Which is my dog. And Stark Raving Mad. Oh! Hey! hey. Brian, it's you been remember? a while. Yeah, it's yeah. been a long time since we've had you on Whisker Dice. Thanks for coming into the studio and helping out today. Yes. So sure. we just got, we're just coming back from our break, and we're going to go ahead and get into our gaming spotlight, where we're going to talk. We're going to keynote and feature a game that Paul has recently gotten to play and been introduced to, mm-hmm. um, and I've played quite a bit. I don't think Brian's had a chance yet to play it. No. Nope. But that is Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders. Okay. So Paul, you you're the one that's played the most recently. You got what three games at my birthday bash of that's it? That's Correct. So why don't you go ahead and, and give us a big overview of what Seven Wonders is? Okay. From a really basic point of view, you are playing the ruler of an ancient civilization. One of the ancient civilizations that built one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And the point of the game is to gain victory points. And you can gain these through many things. But basically, you can gain them for the point of the game by building wonders. You complete a wonder in your city and you get a certain amount of victory points, other special abilities. But also you gain victory points from building just monuments, build baths, and you can build it up by different paths. There's a military path, and then there's basically a civil building path, and and then there's a science path, and then you can also just build different resources that allow you to get a resource each turn. Yep, the, you need to gain re- you need to get resources so you can do other things. The victory points are either off of civil type things where you're always just straight up victory points Mm -hmm. building your wonder there are certain times you achieve when you build your wonder that you get victory points off of there's obviously a military victory system Mm -hmm. there's also 
the science, the method of science to victory, which could be the way to get the big points in that game. And then on top of that, you have so uh, you have the merchant victory points. You can get some cards off the merchant cards. Mm-hmm. There are some victory points. And there's also the guild cards in the third age that you can get victory points off of. So it's it's a card-based game. There's some start, some boards. There are some small game boards that go in front of each player that can take up quite a bit of space. Mm-hmm. It is a blast to play. Yes. I've, it, it's a fairly quick game and not a real... It's not a game that's in, that's very hard to teach. Mm-hmm. So it's something that you can bring in new players. It's very, it's a, it's a deck. It's almost, it's 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 a, it's not a deck building game, but it works mm-hmm. very similar to a deck building game. There's a draft system where everybody gets what's it, seven cards, I think, seven cards in the base you game. Play one and then pass, and then the you pass it either to your left to or your right, right left. depending yeah. on the age, to, which gives you. And there's three stages of the game, which they call ages. So each age you get a, a different level of cards that give you. Like the first age is very, a lot of times is very resource intensive. There's a lot of resources cards in there. Mm-hmm. The second age, there's a few less resources cards. In the third age, there's no resources cards. So if whatever you've got in front of your tableau, that's what you've got well, that you actually, can work off of. That's kind of one of the interesting things about it. You, that draft system is very kind of unique to Seven Wonders. I haven't seen it in a whole lot of other games. But also, something very unique is that. When you've put your game board in front of you, you have a player sitting to your right and a player sitting to your left. Now, those are considered your neighbors, and they have this mechanic where they allow you to buy resources that your neighbor on your right or your neighbor on your left builds for two gold. So you pay them two gold, and you're able to buy a resource from them. Which they can still use themselves, and Correct. their neighbor on their side, on the other side of them, can still also use. So it is some point, something that can be competitive, but at the same time, it's also something that's very cooperative. Uh, but it's all—it's almost got the strategy of more of a you know gin rummy or something like that in the way of you use cards and you can deprive the player next to you from cards if you don't want him to gain a certain resource or even players that are even further down from them Correct. say you see oh hey somebody passed well, a real classic one is well i need to build my wonder mm-hmm. and i see you know bob over there who's you know two chairs away from me so he's not oh, you know bob. next to me yeah oh bob <laughs> he's a jerk he is a jerk face i don't like bob <laughs> Well, he's building science, mm-hmm. and science is the big points mechanism. If you're playing Seven Wonders, that's the that it's it's hard to get science, mm-hmm. but if you've got a lot of it, it's crazy ridiculous yeah. points. The really simple thing is that for every piece of science you have of the same one, you get the same number of points as the number of cards of that symbol for science. So if you have two cards, they're worth four. Well, it's if you have squ- three it's, cards, it's worth nine. Be, it, no, if you have three cards, it's not worth three. Three cards is worth nine. It's worth nine. It's correct. It's, it's square. That's what it's, I said. It's what it's however many cards of the same type mm-hmm. to that power. Yes, it's a really fun mechanic. Um, as well as each set of the, there's three different cards in science, so mm-hmm. each set gets you seven points. Yeah, and and then so you have this gin rummy kind of aspect of depriving or improving, but you also have this aspect of cooperative gameplay where you can buy resources off of your neighbors as well. And with these other three ages as well, there's just a whole lot of strategy involved just in the very basic game for playing the game. And it's only 30 to 60 minutes long, so you can play a ton of games in a very limited amount of time. Oh, it, certainly. And it's the other really nice thing about it is that it starts out being for... They have rules for two players, 
but the base game I believe also comes with up to seven players as well. Yes, it does. it's a, it's a great game for okay. We had a bigger group over. We just got done playing like a five player game or a mm-hmm. six player game. Everybody doesn't want to quite go home yet, or we still got time in the game night to go. Mm-hmm. Well, you can grab Seven Wonders and fill it. Uses as a filler game. Mm-hmm. It's a great game too to also just commit to sitting down to a night and playing three, four games of it as well. So it's mm-hmm. a great game. I really do enjoy it. I've I don't own a copy myself. It's mm-hmm. on my to do buy list. But, <laughs> Neither do I. Yeah. But Jason, who we talked to in episode twenty six point five, already has the game, mm-hmm. and so and since I'm usually over there playing board games with him that's my primary board game partner i don't i haven't had it's not a high priority purchase for me but Mm -hmm. i would definitely say this is a game for you guys that have board games in your collections this is definitely a game that you should put on your priority list to add to your kind of collection Mm -hmm. at least in somewhere in the group it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be something that everybody has but this is one of those games that i would say that you should have somewhere inside that your board game group and it also has two other expansions to it as well, both of which are included in Jason's collection. One is called Cities, and one is called Leaders. Now, Cities is an interesting expansion because it does penalize other players in the game. It's more directly competitive than the base game itself is. Yes. It's also, it adds a little bit more to the guild system, I believe, as well. There's some additional guilds. It mm-hmm. adds the black cards to Correct. the set, which are like more powerful cards and it also adds diplomacy which is a kind of defensive measure to military Mm -hmm. Uh, so it adds a whole another level of strategy which is really nice and then you play with eight cards each round instead of seven cards so a little bit makes it a little bit longer not much Mm -hmm. but a little bit longer game and then you also have the leaders expansion which is my favorite expansion actually because it allows you to have historical figures and to place them in play next to your board. And it's the same draft system. Everybody gets given four. You pick one out of the four, pass it to the right, pick another one, pass it to the right, etc. So you end up with four leaders, and you play one leader per at the beginning of every age. And those leaders have special abilities or victory points that allow you to play your game. And the really nice thing about it is that for a beginner player, it actually is very, very helpful because if you choose leaders based on a specific strategy then you say, okay, well, I don't have to worry about this specific thing. So, for example, one of the leaders, for every, se- for every collection of every, all seven different colors, you get seven victory points at the end of the game. So if that's your leader that you've decided to base your game on, you don't really need to necessarily worry so much about building up individual disciplines. But if you diversify... That allows you to gain more victory points as well. So it's it's kind of interesting. It almost allows you to tailor it, and that's what Jason was talking about. Is that he really likes the leaders expansion because it allows a new player to not have to worry as much about figuring everything out about the game, but yeah. just the path that they've taken. The leader, I, I don't like the leaders expansion when it's brand new players mm-hmm. because it's an extra game mechanic, an extra thing to teach. Mm-hmm. But after you've had your first game with the new player mm-hmm. with the base game, then then leaders throwing in like we tried teaching teaching you the game the first mm-hmm. time. We taught you everything with all three expansions, yeah. and the leaders of the three expansions, leaders does add the most ga- additional game mechanics of the three expansions. Mm-hmm. So, but to that being said, uh, uh, great game. Definitely make sure you have it in your board game collection. Uh, it is definitely a, 
yeah. fans of it. It is a decent chunk of change. It's $50 for the base set and $30 for each additional expansion. And, and there's another expansion that was announced. I don't remember what it's called, oh, but okay. I know there's another expansion announced. I think the plan was they're going to do, surprisingly, seven expansions for Seven Wonders. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a very, very good game. I definitely enjoy it. As I stated before, I have a bias against card games because I have a hard time justifying $50 for a box of cards. But it really overcame my bias immediately. So at this point, it's just kind oh, it's, of looking for a place to get it. It's a great game, and there's mm-hmm. lots of little tokens and chits and coins mm-hmm. and whatever that you get with it, too. So it's that's always neat and, and great to have as well. So there you go. Two thumbs up from Wisco Dice for Seven Wonders. Unfortunately, our thumbs are coated with paint and stuff, but whatever. Well, okay, not today. Uh, maybe. I, I just... There was some serious blue paint all over my fingers before I was painting Space Marines. Oh, that, okay. <laughs> I know, silly round base stuff. Round baser. Yeah, they're easy to paint up. I actually do have a round base figure on my painting table, so I'll just I'll, I'll let that go. Well, when I got the Death World basing kit, it comes with like six very specifically 40K pieces. I put them all on one base for this miniature that I kit bashed for Tyranids, so. <sighs> okay. Well, I guess I shouldn't complain. I'm the guy that's <laughs> yeah. got space yeah, marines. Mister. But they're easy to paint up. I want to get them painted up, and I'll either eBay them off or whatever. I've, Jimmy, you buy enough starter boxes for 40K. Sooner or later, you have space marines. <laughs> so let's go ahead then and get into our Vampire Counts recap. We just want to kind of go back to th- thoughts about the Vampire Counts book. It was the first book that we got to look at. Uh, on Wisco Dice, so in in kind of honor of that and this honor of this year one show, mm-hmm. we wanted to loop back to just kind of give our new thoughts one year later. You know, kind of like, you know, you see all these shows, well, they came, they renovated the restaurant, let's see where it is now a year later. They came, <laughs> they saw, they renovated this whatever project, let's see what it, where it is. Well, we came, we saw the Vampire Accounts book, we gave you our thoughts initially, we revisit our thoughts to correct ourselves the next show, and uh, with help from Brian, actually. And now we wanted to go ahead and just loop back and see, you know, where where were we right? Where were where were our thoughts right? Where were our thoughts wrong? What do we think really works, or what we've seen works in the in the book? What are the things that maybe um, as players we want to maybe think about trying to include or add in our games that came out of that book now a year later looking at it in hindsight so i'm going to go ahead and open up with at least a couple of things that i've seen from the book that i i think are in the things that make me bang my head against the wall and not <laughs> sleep well at night yep but that are things that are definitely out there and i know you've heard about them but one is the double terror guys, you know, spam the mm-hmm. leadership spam type stuff. Maybe a double leader, double terror guys, and a banshee in the list. Mm-hmm. Now we can explain that, expound on that in a second. And then the other thing that I've seen a lot lately, or I haven't seen it a lot, but I've se- I've seen and heard about it, is the ethereal spam. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a, <laughs> an ethereal spam, and I know this is something. Going back to that first show, we mm-hmm. had talked about. Like, I'm like, dude, you can have all these ethereal characters. Just jam them in the front of a unit. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you know? <laughs> become it actually works. One of the really frustrating, annoying things that a vampire player can do now. Yeah, they jam a front rank full of, whether that's zombies, skeletons, or whatever. You don't even need to put banners or stuff, really, in this unit. 
you fill it full of wraiths and, you know, the front rank full of wraiths and, you know, that's a lot of strength six attacks right there. You turn around and you have, turn around, I think it's strength six attacks. I think it's only five because be three with a great weapon. Yeah, that could be. You'd know better than I would. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Even though you, even <laughs> though we, we don't get Brian to play a lot of Warhammer, I'm sure he's right. He, yeah. he is our resident vampire counts player. Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> I did play him for a little bit. I never did actually try that, though. It seemed yeah. like a fun idea. But me. Uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you think about it. I mean, the number of armies out there in the Warhammer world that truly have close combat attacks mm-hmm. that are magical, there's not a lot of them. Yeah, so all of a sudden, you've got an edge in the percentage of matchups. And it's not like, like in 40K, I can orientate my lists to beat against Space Marines. And that's going to cover, if I can take on Space 50%. Marines, that's going to take on 50% of the guys I'm playing against. 50% of the guys at least have Space Marines. Mm-hmm. They're various different boards. Well, there isn't that in fantasy. You don't have this. I mean, yeah, sure. I, you know, If I'm playing top tables, i got to worry about maybe demons because I know they're going to be up there. But who else really that's on the top tables is run and has that many magical weapons? There just aren't that many. No, ogres don't have anything with magical attacks by their nature except for it. You can equip a magic weapon or something like that, but ogres sure. in general have a lot, really hard time dealing with ethereals. So all of a sudden, I mean, you, same with like chaos dwarves. There's nothing better than oh hey, you've got that kadai. Well, are its attacks magical? No. Okay. <laughs> Flap. Here's my you know three ranks and five wraiths. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm. So that's why Grail knights are awesome because they have magical attacks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Grail Knights. Okay, and uh, so that was definitely something I wanted to... I definitely have heard about it. I've actually been in an event that had somebody running that, and they were doing really well, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to take credit. We were kind of the first ones to mention that. <laughs> so that was something I'm going to say, hey, we got that right. We did that right. We definitely identified a sneaky, slippery tactic, having the book for about three hours, mm-hmm. and looking at it and going, yep. That looks busted. <laughs> I've actually uh, been hearing a lot in the UK also about one of the other things that I, we highlighted in our review, which is the direwolves being able to be core and the black knights and the hex race and doing an all-cav army. And I've been hearing a lot of people wrecking face with a black knight bus with a couple of vampire lord, vampire heroes in the front rank and just destroying everybody with having that huge movement and just having a great time with that. And that was something that we also did bring up in our review as well. Oh, yeah. I remember talking about the Cav. The one caveat is that I think they play in a little more of a comped environment Mm -hmm. where I think you get away with... I mean, you can get away with that a little more when you don't have... When you can get lookout sirs against dwellers, when Mm -hmm. you can get lookout sirs against purple suns and those kind of things. Because the one real big counter to the Uber bus Mm -hmm. is, well, I'll purple sun it, or ooh, I'll dwellers it. Well, guess what? Well, you had all your eggs in one basket. They all have to take strength checks. You just lost half your basket, uh, and you paid a pile of points for it. Too bad. (laughs) I feel so sad. Mm -hmm. So there is is that, but yeah, that is definitely, I think that's valid here. I haven't seen anybody actually run it. I, I think I might have heard of some people that might be working towards building it right now. Yeah, I think I saw a post of Relian using uh, a Black Knight bus with a White King and eh, all we'll kinds see. of stuff. I mean, so. he's, a, he's a good general, though, mm-hmm. and, and that's definitely, I think that's, I would rather see, like, 
I love you, Relian. I, I've met you. I know you. I, I, I don't know you well, but I love you to death. And I don't want to. Wow, that, I, that's I a wanna... quite the professional love, <laughs> no, Andrew. He's a, watch he's out. A, he's a. He's a. But he plays in a different mentality than mm-hmm. I do. He plays a hardcore mentality. He yeah, plays you know, he he plays to win constantly, and I don't know that that's a that's a person I'm going to enjoy playing against. I think we'd have a good time, but it's it's not one of those games where. You know, I, I I I love to win. Don't get me wrong. I'm the, I'm not the I've said that earlier today, but I'm not the guy that wants to. I'm not going to play. I don't want to play. I'm not going to play in a style. I guess that's that's just win at all costs. And I think that Relian is uh, one of those guys. And, and, get, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I I think that's I think that's pretty accurate. I think Skaven was was that and. And there's a reason why why Relian's on the top tables or near the mm-hmm. top tables at pretty much every event he goes to, and why I'm in the middle of the pack every event we go to. Mm-hmm. I think that's just. I mean, it just sums up. And I think that you know there are list builds in the Vampire Counts, like the Ethereal Front Rank, mm-hmm. like the you know Terror Guy Spam, that I would rather not see him play. I think this is more of a fun list for him to play that he's been kind of that I've been hearing about, mm-hmm. and I think that's a cool way to do it to do the all cav. I like seeing the all cav armies because it's you are limited, and like one of the one of the weaknesses of the ogres is that they have a low model count, low mm-hmm. woundage. Well, the and same thing leadership. with the cav. Mm-hmm. Same. Well, the leadership isn't necessarily a problem for the vampire counts. Because they're unbreakable and immune to psych and all this kind of good stuff, mm-hmm. but they have a low model count. When you do an all cav army, what's the problem with Bretts? You have fifty, sixty models on the board if you do an all cav, right? Yeah. And <laughs> what happens when you start taking models off? Oh crap! Your army disappears in a hurry. That's yeah, and that's the same thing. So yeah, you've got a lot of chaff in the dire wolves, which are awesome. Chaff. I mean, it's getting to be more and more of a game of chaff hammer, especially with the FAQ where Crumble doesn't allow you to overrun. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, don't know how many times you suffer of that against that when you there's five direwolves. Yeah, but if you unit. have a champion, conga line them. Oh, you can kill my champion direwolf. Uh, I'm not going to crumble I enough. So two rounds of combat. Line, a conga line players. <laughs> That's just stupid. I'm just going to go out and officially say that. Well, officially that that just you know that's like a real kick in the groin. Yeah, you know, that kind dumb. of stuff. I mean, I, I understand the tactically, mm-hmm. and I understand the why you'd want to do that from a t- from a I want to win the game, but that's not the spirit of what Warhammer is. If you want to win that much, here's mm-hmm. a Conzy rant. If I'd ever heard one <laughs> again, if you want to win a game like that, then by all means, go for it. Just don't, just please don't play me like that. Don't play. <laughs> I don't want to play that game. I get angry. Get ang- I I I can get fr- I, you can beat me without having to do that. Conzy smash. Conzy will smash. Conzy go Conzy go go pay off the fan and he'll get you in the parking lot. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely uh there is definitely you can do that. I think that's a valid way to go mm-hmm. with the vampire counts. It, it's something I'd like to see on the table. I'd like to see it and play against it short of the conga line mm-hmm. stupidity, but I said I think the terror guy spam. I think we should we can elaborate a little bit on that. I think the the idea is you you have a couple of terror guys, it's probably mm-hmm. a banshee in the list, and what you're trying to do is you're throwing as many leadership checks probably on the same target mm-hmm. 
to because there are no armor saves and it's nope. uh, quite a bit of damage you can get out of them repeatedly and with the versatility of the fly especially, move of the yeah. terror guys especially when you add the remaining wounds of the terror guys to it you can really do some huge damage and since the faq said that you can now scream into coast combat if it was ever a question that's also a huge deal you can just rock up next to close combat scream into combat and be like blah and you know take models off yeah yeah it just it yeah, take all the toys off, <laughs> send the guy home packing. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, you you have a really great option in the vampire list for doing that because you have hex race that can really slow down your opponent or even hold up some. And then you've got banshees, you've got ethereal, and you've still got this leadership 10 vampire sitting in the back that is your general. You don't even need to expose him in order to play this tactic. Yeah, it's exactly so, so one final thing I know we highlighted on this. this is, the Terror Guy spam was something we didn't catch. No. So we're going to give the internets and you guys out there. We're plus gonna one. You, we're going to give you the plus one for <laughs> plus that. Plus one internets. You got, you got us there. But something we did highlight on and something I know this is something that goes towards Brian's kind of play style for Vampire Counts. Oh, really? And that's the Shambling Horde. Mm-hmm. I didn't do so good at that. You did, <laughs> but I didn't play for very long. Though I gave up pretty quick. <laughs> I played against. I, I had played against David Whitehack, and mm-hmm. he's been doing the shambling horde of vampire counts. Yes, for quite for basically before this VC release. Mm-hmm. I mean, a guy that's got two hundred plus zombies is painted. painted is <laughs> you know, there's a small amount of insanity there. Yeah, and if you haven't, I don't, I don't know, Brian. If you haven't listened to the most recent Garage Hammer, nope. You should, because he talks about his games at Fettercon. At least and this is early in the show, but when he's playing against Ryan Nickel and he's like beating up all these high elf units with his unit of zombies, oh, really? that's just gonna make you giggle. And that's and zombies are the best. That's sure. you know it's just not one of those things you happens all the time. But when you're playing the shambling horde, having your zombie unit mm-hmm. just destroy face on your opponent <laughs> is awesome. So, but yeah, that was, I mean, I, I played him and I am definitely sold on that. It's, it's much more of a denial army and you've got to kind of play that, I think, with that in mind that you'd never, you're always playing to not give up stuff. Mm-hmm. When I played him, it was a big ghoul horde, I think 40 or 50 ghouls. Uh, the vampire was in that with the, the plus two strength sword mm-hmm. and the infinite hatred and getting to re-roll thing. successful wounds Red. as an extra attack, whatever that's <laughs> uh. called. A pretty basic combat vampire build, other than the plus two strength sword, but that I can see where that that comes from. And then he had uh, a Black Knight bus, which had I think two characters in it. Mm-hmm. It was just like it was eight eight or ten Black Knights uh, with two characters. He had a couple of little spirit hosts. I mean, this this list is sounding familiar, isn't it, Brian? I mean, this yeah, is I've played something similar, very <laughs> similar. He had uh, a unit of zombies. He, you know, very early in the game goes big to try to generate new units of zombies and just jam them in the opponent's face. Can't remember. He had a unit. Of, the only thing he had that was new mm-hmm. that, was, that wasn't that was in, like, the, I know you don't have, Brian, is he had the unit of Vargeists, and yep. he had just put those together. It's something new he had just, it's just starting to play with an ad. He hadn't even painted them up. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, and I know he has for his 2400 list, he's got a terror geist he's now built and put together and painted. Mm-hmm. But it's like his bits list was this last year was very denial orientated. He actually played mm-hmm. with a Coven Throne at bits for his 2400 point. He had a Mortis Engine and the Coven Throne. Mm-hmm. But in the, wow. Yeah. 
and it was complete denial. He either won or lost all of his games in a 20-0 system, so 20 being I slaughtered and butchered my opponent and nothing I got butchered entirely yeah. kind of games. He, you know, all of his games were within 12, yeah, like 12, 12 eight, eight or either 11, win losses, 10, you know, 10, really 10, close win lo- to wins or really close draws, which is, you know, at the heart of it, mm-hmm. that's the kind of Warhammer I want to play. I want to win, yeah, I wanna win and games, lose sure. really close. I mm-hmm. want games that are in the thick of it constantly, mm-hmm. where we've got big combats, lots of dice are flinging. Yeah. Those combats are stuck in for a round or two or three of mm-hmm. combat until somebody finally gets the edge. I don't care if I'm on the losing edge or not, but that's what I'm playing Warhammer for. And that list, which I'm ecstatic to see it working, mm-hmm. and especially in our no-comped environment, yes. is awesome. Awesome. And that really brings me heart because I know that's something that, like, I know from a lot of people out there, that's what we play Warhammer for is those kind of games and that kind of gameplay. So so I should get my vampire counts back out is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, Maybe. that'd be cool. Get a I mean, Mortis I need more zombies. <laughs> that's definitely uh, definitely something you could you could do as more zombies. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, how many zombies you got? I only have, like, 75 assembled. Yeah, so you need, you I need own like, like, 200 at least. But, yeah, that's why <laughs> I said more. got to follow White Tech's example. Yeah, I mean, 200 plus is the way to go. And they're all painted. Yeah. <laughs> they're zombies. They'd be pretty quick to paint. Yeah, I think oh, so. Yeah. I think uh, we, we could paint those up real fast. That's kind of uh, my – those are my big things I've seen. Is there anything else that you guys have seen? I know I, I know. I wanted to talk about the, the Horde because that's definitely something that falls into Brian's category of I want to play Vampire Counts. And my category, when I built my Vampire Counts and what I'm building for Vampire Counts, it's definitely that Horde mentality. That's that's the, was the first thing when I saw this book that I latched onto. Like, ooh, I think this is viable. I think you could do the shambling Horde, and that's when I think vampires. That's what I think of. Yeah, I like that a lot too. I'm really bad at denial lists, though, so I think that's where I went wrong. It's like I would just kill all my stuff. <laughs> I, I think part of it's you just gotta play. You gotta play. One of the things I know you've kind of struggled with this year because you got school and you've got derby, and that's maybe something we can talk to too since we got you here. Ooh. But how does for a war gamer? Getting off topic here. I know Paul's looking at the book, so we got a chance, to, an opportunity here. But as a war gamer who's busy, I mean, really busy. You're a younger gentleman. You're not. I mean, Paul and I are kind of established. Paul's got a family. Mm-hmm. We get to hear a bit about from Paul's perspective having a family. I'm an older gentleman. I've got you know went to college. I've got an established job, so I've got a lot of free time outside of work. But you're a young guy. You're going to college. You're you've, you're doing the roller derby thing, which is a big hobby for you. It's kind for of a sure. mean. <laughs> when it comes down to it, you can do a hobby with a bunch of girls, or you can do a hobby with a bunch of dudes <laughs> in their basement. I, I think you've I think you've picked the right one to dedicate some time to. Not not ding any kind of ding against Warhammer, but given the choice, I'd probably hang out with girls too. <laughs> uh, and then on top of that, you're trying to war game, both just starting to kind of paint finally for the first real time. Not only paint, but paint to a level that you're like satisfied with. Yep. Which is another one of my games workshops highlights. About probably the most brilliant thing they did this year was put out that how to paint Citadel miniatures book. Worked out good for me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I really, I mean, from a guy that's an established painter, I can look at that and go, "Wow, this really tells people how to put stuff mm-hmm. on the table, painted nicely, without having to be experts at painting." Yes, Brian was a perfect example of that when we talked about it on the show. How do you find time, or how you know? How do you prioritize trying to make that time to even get the games? Because I know it's been a struggle for you this yeah, year. Yeah, definitely. Well, 
my last semester was really busy. This semester will hopefully be a little different, but it was definitely one of the last things on my free time list, I guess. I'm not even sure how many. I probably maybe played once a month at the most, I think. But Yeah, I was probably... Once a week would be a lot better. Catch a game <laughs> on a weekend or whatever. So hopefully we can do that. But I know it's been great over this holiday season where you hit, you know, you were off of school. And I was yep. like, holy cow, who's this dude? I haven't <laughs> seen back him in like ages. Again. And all of a sudden you're around and... <laughs> We we played a lot of we played a lot of Lord of the Rings yep. and you were at the birthday bash. Hopefully, I'll keep it up. Yeah. And yeah, that was really cool to see it out and about. And you came to uh, the square at least once. Yep. So <laughs> freedom. <laughs> yeah. It was, but yeah, I start school this coming week already, so we'll see how it goes this time around. But it was it's cool to have you back around, and hopefully, we can have you as things go. We'll have you more on the show and involved as well. So. But, yeah, that definitely is a challenge, and I think it's important for people that, that have that challenge. I mean, it's still important to get out and still play games, but it's, you know, when you're playing games that against people that are playing games regularly, mm-hmm. it's it especially an uphill struggle, <laughs> or to try to get things figured out. Like, yep. see, you're a year into the new Vampire Counts book, and that's your first army, you know? So it was, deep yeah. down, that's kind of, I mean, your first army, since I've known you anyways. Uh-huh. And deep down, there's something about that first army. I know for me, my first army is dwarves. And there's always something deep down inside me every time there's a new dwarf release or a new dwarf book that just makes me want to play that army, even though it's not the best-looking stuff I have and or it's kind of a conglomeration of collection over multiple editions (laughs) and different model styles that Games Workshop kind of evolved through their model line with. It's... It's one of those things that, you know, it just kind of hits you right where it hurts and makes mm-hmm. you want to, like, ooh, I got to play this. At the same time, you know, you get into that quandary. Uh, you get into, like, those quandaries I remember talking about with you uh, of, ooh, well, I have my established collection of models, and mm-hmm. now it doesn't quite work right because <laughs> uh-huh. a new book came out, and I yeah. really don't want to buy these other models because they don't match my existing collection well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely a challenge, and those are the kind of things that I'd like to talk to you more about in the future uh, on the show. I think those are things that I think people would like to hear about. Just as a kind of back on topic here, I just wanted okay. to point out one thing that we definitely missed uh, in the Vampire Accounts. What you missed? Okay. Um, <laughs> we did. I don't think we called seeing units of six, eight crypt horrors. Nearly as much as was on the table. I think we kind of missed that. We definitely I, covered. I think I hit it a little bit. We covered Cryptors versus Vargeists, and we thought that Cryptors was better. But I was not anticipating seeing you know two units of six, or I wasn't anticipating basically spamming Cryptors on the in the armies themselves. I think I think I saw it a little bit more because because I I think. Uh... The, the of the two units, the cryptors are very durable, but I don't know if we spelled it out real well. But it's definitely no. something that's a, it's viable to do because there's a lot of attacks, yep. small amount of frontage, mm-hmm. and the it's hard to dish damage back to them. They are mm-hmm. you know there's you know decent toughness. They're fairly survivable. Mm-hmm. You can heal them like everything else in the vampire book. Yeah. So there's there's a, there's some definite bonuses to that, and I and I do and I do still feel. A year into it, that of you know the Vargeists mm-hmm. or the Cryptors, not the Cryptors, the Crypt Ghouls or whatever they are, not the whatever they are, the Whores. the horror, yeah, they are the horrors, the, right, the giant Uber uh, Ghoul. Yeah, but anyways, everybody knows what I'm talking to about, and if you don't, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I, of those two unit choices, I always thought that the 
Crypt Horror was the better of the two choices, just from a list construction perspective. Yeah, and I think the one thing also that we definitely missed that has become a really big deal is that the big omission in the Vampire Collins book, especially you're on, is that they had no monstrous cavalry at all. And that wasn't something that we had kind of pointed out because there had only been Saber Tusks, or uh, I'm sorry, Mornfang at that point. But now... No, there was more than Mornfang at that point because you had the Tomb King ones as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so we had the Mornfang and we had the the knights, the snake knights, and that was the big exception in the Vampire Collins book because there was no monstrous cavalry. You know, I don't think every book needs Monstrous mm-hmm. Cavalry. I mean, in my mm-hmm. opinion, I think that's overkill. And I could see Monstrous Cavalry being something you could easily add to mm-hmm. the Vampire Counts book. It would, it kind of fits. Mm-hmm. I think you could find some giant mythical monster for those for vampires or whatever mm-hmm. to ride. Like, it would be cool to see Blood Knights instead of being on big horses, being mm-hmm. on some giant evil monster thing maybe giant wolves or giant bats or something like that Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's kind of refreshing to see a book that doesn't have monsters cavalry in Mm -hmm. it and still be able to succeed and thrive in this environment that seems like it's dominated by mornfang and demigriff knights Mm -hmm. and blood crushers are Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so that's that's kind of nice to see. And I, it might be an oversight, but at the same time, I think it's good game design because yeah. it means that you have variety in the game, and it makes it that the Vampire Counts book has something that isn't an auto-include in every list, mm-hmm. like in the Empire book and in the Ogre book, mm-hmm. Mornfang are an auto-include. In the Tomb King's book, it seems like same Necronites place. are an auto-include. Yeah or near auto-include. In the Empire book, it seems like the Demigriffs are not included. Mm-hmm. Everybody puts them on the table. Yeah. And it's refreshing that I can see, we talk about Vampire Counts, we're talking about a book that has so many Three possibilities at builds. list builds, mm-hmm. and none of them need or have. make people <laughs> have to have any one unit. Yes. So, other than maybe zombies. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and that's I think, a, was an oversight in our part, is just that we didn't see how versatile this list really was. Also, that the omission of Monstrous Cavalry would be such make such a more interesting book in the end. Yeah, it definitely keeps it away from locking into that same list build or that very similar list build. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's I would be amazed to see my first Ogres player not mm-hmm. put in a two thousand or twenty four hundred point list, not put Mornfang on the board. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen Tomb Kings not put Necronites on the board. Mm-hmm. But I have not seen ogre players in a competitive environment mm-hmm. avoid putting uh, Mornfang on the board. Same thing with Empire. I, I don't think I've seen Empire bullet lists that, that are competitive, that are in the competitive environment, not put some dem- demigriffs on the board. Mm-hmm. They're, They're just too good. They're just an auto-include. It's like, a, okay, boop. Okay, now I build everything else. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good review of the review of the review. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. All right. Cool. Let's go ahead and take a break here. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Sounds good. Or not. My precious. My precious. Your precious what? My precious everything. Yu-Gi-Oh! Warhammer 40k? War Machine Hordes? Everything. Everything? Yeah. It's all at Misty Mountain Games. Really? Correct. Located on Cottage Grove Road. And you know what? I hear they also have the largest gaming space in all of Madison. Don't just hear it. I know they do. All right. And also, you can check them out for board games as well, I hear. 
Yep, board games. They got pretty much everything. The management and the staff down there are awesome. They can hook you up with whatever you need. If it's not on the shelves, they'll make sure they get it in for you promptly and quickly. All right, well, check them out. Misty Mountain Games on Cottage Grove Road. And, of course, hit their website at mistymountaingames.com. Are you tired of playing the same group of guys in your basement every week? Check out the WWHFB, Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Check it out at WWHFB.com with regions in Madison, Milwaukee, Stevens, Point, and La Crosse. Anywhere in Wisconsin, you're going to find somebody to play. WWHFB.com. Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. Cozy's Rant! The Conzi is back for 2013, and this had a lot of contemplation here on what the Conzi's rant should be for the first rant of a new year. Oh, goody. And the first rant of a new year of Wisco Dice. And so, with that being said, I thought I could rant about Paul's face for a while. Oh, that would hey, be pretty easy to rant about. Jerk. Yeah, I'd be, I could rant about... After I was just like, we should talk about our good relationship. You're like ranting about my face. It's really not that good. Oh, I could rant about how Andrew Sherman doesn't have a chance of beating me in a painting competition, uh, or I could rant about... But what I chose to rant about for the first rant is something I think, you know, and when you listen to Whisker Dice for the first year, you hear us talking a lot about hobby stuff and talking about painted figs and talking about painted terrain and mm-hmm. talking about cool tables and cool miniatures. So this rant is, I want to talk about unpainted figs. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, yeah, you know Brian, who I'm talking about. You run for the I corner. Have ten done. <laughs> for you, that's impressive. <laughs> but considering you've been playing this game, you've been playing in yeah, the local Madison group almost as long as I have, and the fact that you've only got ten models re- done yet. I can't remember when I started. Pretty pathetic. <laughs> like uh, but ago. that yeah. is, I mean, there is no reason with all of the resources. We are in the high times of awesomeness when it comes to being able to hobby paint for resources tools materials paints ranges tutorials tutorials you name it (laughs) we are in a this is like a renaissance of resources for you to get out there get your stuff painted there's no excuse short of maybe okay i can give brian at least a little slack right now (laughs) at least for the last year or so i've known brian at least Two or three, you've been in college for the last last three. You're doing the college, you're working, you're, you know, you barely have time to play Warhammer, let alone actually paint a model. I can get that, but there's no reason when you're working a full time job and maybe you, yeah, even if you got a family, you come home, you take care of the family, you put the kids to bed, you got an hour or half hour or whatever, get down to the hobby room. It only takes a half an hour, two or three times a week. It's like exercising. It doesn't take me. I'm I'm a big I'm a big guy. We talk about my weight loss all the time. Well, I can slack and not get my rear on that treadmill three times a week for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. or I can get my rear on that treadmill and do 20 minutes of treadmill work three times a week. Well, that's all it takes for you to get your army painted. Is you find in 20, 30 minutes, three or four times a week, and that's not hard for most of us to get a painted army on the table. So get your rears in gear. Get with a Conzi. 
I mean, you've got a bad dice competition right now for painted armies, for I don't know what they're giving away, but something awesome. You've got, I mean, I'll, I, you can go ahead and try to paint along and see if you can outdistance the Konzi in painted models in 20, 2013, mm-hmm. which I'll tell you right now, you're going to be hard-pressed to put out, nar- put out models at the quality level that I'm putting them out at. And and get and out distance me in models. I'm already at 22 for the year. I want to hear about people that can try to beat me at that. <laughs> I want to go ahead and I want to see these things. I mean, I want to see and hear. I mean, I want to see and hear things about from you guys. There's no reason why people are playing playing games with unpainted figs. So right now, right off the bat, right for 2013, I'm going to put out the unpainted figs challenge. All of you people out there that are actually listening this far into the show and haven't tuned us out, <laughs> I challenge you to take on this challenge, and that is to not put an unpainted figure on the table that you're going to actually game with. Uh-oh. And this is going to start with the Konzi. I'm going to go ahead and start. That means I'm going to have to actually put my Tomb Kings on the back seat for a little bit mm-hmm. to not play them. But I am not going to put an unpainted figure on the table in 2013. And if I do... I want Paul, I want Brian, I want somebody calling me out on that and catching me. So that's no reason for it. The unpainted figs are unacceptable on the table, both for the Konzi and for you guys. Uh-oh. Eventually. I, I, almost all my minis are unpainted. I'll paint the Fellowship. We can I, rock a while. Hey. I got, I got, I got, I I got four Konzi's rant, not Konzi pointing fingers and being like, hey, <laughs> you guys too. I got bored me. I get not just you guys that are in the room, but I mean, <laughs> I mean you guys as the audience too. I mean, it's a challenge. You want to take me up on it? Let me know. Hear about it. Post it to the Facebook. Post it. You know, tweet it to me. Send me an email. Let me know that you're going to take up this challenge, and we'll work together. There's nothing better than working together to try to overcome this. All right. So that, that was was Conzie's rant, an inspiring one today. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> I really, I really tried. So, okay. So, uh, as always, we want to go ahead and set up our hobby and gaming goals for the next couple of weeks. I know Paul and I we have Wapaka next weekend. Wapaka, Wapaka. <laughs> so we've got that, uh, which we are amazingly excited for. It is. Aaron. Oh my goodness! You haven't I, been to I a tournament to in how long now? Because you had you ran Mary North Mayhem. Star was the last event oh I think tournament goodness. I was at. So it's been almost two months, which is kind of you know considering I hit like thirteen or fourteen tournaments or whatever it was in yeah. twenty twelve. You hit four, thirteen and I hit twelve. You know that's oh, that's a long gap for you. That's that a is big that's been pretty spell. big. I mean that's the reason why I've had time and got twenty two models on this year <laughs> so far. <laughs> I think besides, I do have some things I have to get painted. I'm going to resubmit my list for Wapaka. Yeah. I've gotten a couple of serious rear whoopings with my current Orcs and Goblins build I was going to take to Wapaka. So I'm, I'm hmm. going to have to beg the Wapaka gods to allow me to resubmit my list, which they've agreed to allow me to do. And I want to play a test game yet today with that list mm-hmm. and then just to kind of i don't i'm not i'm not looking for like uber competitiveness or anything there but i want to test that list just to make sure that i got it tweaked kind of right so i'm not unsatisfied with the gameplay mm-hmm. and then i've got a couple of models i've got to play and i've been talking about i mean i posted to the twitter feed a, uh, a couple of days ago that i was gonna i've been talking about doing the dual giants uh, with my wyvern, dual giants. Which dual giants and a wyvern at two thousand points is a little tough because it doesn't leave you a lot of room 
for a lot of other stuff. But it's Wapaka. But it is Wapaka, and I like two giants. I mean, I've t- it's just four years I've been to Wapaka. Four years I've had an opportunity to bring my orcs and goblins. Uh, <laughs> an which is, opportunity. Uh, which is also, I mean, for the first two or three years, it was basically what I was playing. And this year... I was, re- I mean, I haven't played the Orcs and Goblins since I played Wapaka last mm. year. I mean, they've been on the shelf. I've played other armies at tournaments for 2012, and this is the first time I'm going back to them in a year, and it's kind of feeling like a little fresh. I'm kind of excited to play the Orcs and Goblins again. Mm-hmm. I'm a little frustrated that I still don't have the models I want painted, but I was kind of, I've been kind of motivated to paint green, mm-hmm. and it's been going on really fast. I've got a nice, with some of the new paints I've gotten, both from Chrism Gaming and, and such, that I've got some colors that are now matching what I was trying to do color themed with the old Citadel range that I had that I'd have to do a lot of mixing. Yeah. So paints are going on faster. Nice. So I'm a little, I'm kind of excited to go back to them, but at the same time, I mean, I don't want to sit here. I mean, I'm really still excited about doing my Tomb Kings. I really want to get that. To, I really want to have my Tomb Kings ready to go for Blood in the Sun. But it's going to be kind of disappointing not have being able to put them on the table again yeah. until I have them <laughs> painted. But yeah, it's. Thirty some models get to go. Smaller games. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even there yet, <laughs> but I can change up my focus and be able to play some smaller games with them. Yeah, I I would like to have a thousand points done. Are you going to have a uh, thousand points done for Friday? No. Oh, I haven't touched paint to a Tomb King yet in 2013. Going to the tournament on Friday? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll be down. I took the day off of work. I'll be down to the. Just say so you got a mini like one thousand pointer for like basically bar credit on. Yeah, Friday Five night bucks. at Wapaka. <laughs> Five buck entry. Whoever wins gets all that money and bar credit for the weekend. <laughs> and then, and then you got obviously the five games for the weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of event Wapaka is. Yeah, is it's it's more about showing up and just having a good you time. know having a good time, eating some great food. The Wapaka El House, where it's hosted at, has a great on-site restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cheap Wisconsin beer. Good Wisconsin yeah, beer. There's some from really Amherst, good Wisconsin. Oh. There's some really good stuff on the tap there. Oh, so. man. And some of the biggest beer glasses you get yeah, beer in. Yeah, they're like in. 64. I don't know. I don't know. They're it is crazy. It's like, like, yeah, it is. Like 64 ounces. <laughs> it's like 64 <laughs> ounces for like five or six bucks. And they're not wow. like, you know, 5% alcohol. They're like 12 or 13. <laughs> yeah, they're oh, crazy. Like you have barrel central water like, stuff oh, you were drinking. Yeah. Mud puppy porter. Oh, yeah. You you kids out there, two drinking is that. bad. <laughs> okay, don't drink. Bad, bad idea. But <laughs> uh, if you're gonna drink, Wapaka when you turn 21 is perfectly great. Mm. Go to Wapaka. It is the tournament to bookmark on your mark on your calendars. Hopefully, it's still there for you. This is their fourth year running it. 84 players. Yeah, it's also 84. it's the biggest event in Wisconsin. So it's kind wow. of something wow. to be excited and pumped about. Yeah. Uh, but besides those models, I need to finish for that. Getting back to the hobby and gaming goals, <laughs> um, so I want to survive Wapaka. I've got eight uh, to ten games of at War, of Warhammer. I'm going to play over the weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a rough weekend, obviously. So I got to survive Wapaka. Awesome I've got to paint up. I got to finish painting up a giant, mm-hmm. and I've got to finish up playing painting up a black orc character for at least the list build I have done in basically a week now before Wapaka, and then on top of that. I need to 
which means I'm going to lose my painting goal or my cha- my uh, Conzi's challenge already because I if I play Warhammer with him, well, <laughs> because I don't have any paint on the on the uh, Blackboard character. Oh, oh, no, oh, I have something I can sub in for him that is painted. <laughs> oh, you got a proxy. To I've got yeah. Grimgore. He's a perfectly good Blackboard character model. Well, then oh. why don't you just use Grimgore? Uh, I want to paint up by. I have a I have a shield on him for WYSIWYG, oh. so. Oh, and my right. giant is actually painted. Then my second giant, I've got him done. He's just not finished. I didn't okay. know you had a second giant. I have two giants. I One have the, the really ones? old model, yeah, and then right. I have the model that came out after him that replaced oh, okay. him. Yeah, they like might be giants. I even sure have yet. them on the both on the right size base now. I had to actually oh. rebuild the base for my <laughs> old giant, so he's no longer on the fifty mil. He's on the big giant base. Oh, really? Are you going to have a yeah. bangler in that list as well? Huh? Are you going to nope, have a no bangler? Well, Whatever. I think you're going to have fun with this list. A lot I think more so. Fun. I mean, it's going to be FIFA. I'm going to be have a whole lot of FIFA. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a whole lot of Conzi making all kinds of annoying noises at Wapaka this weekend is what I'm thinking. Me. Me got big foot. Me stop. <laughs> Are you going to have some orc casters in there so you can cast orc's foot? I have a, I have a, the list build is a orc, orc lord on, standard orc lord on a wirefin with some stuff. I haven't quite settled on his tooling out for war gear. Hmm. Then I've got a god, night goblin battle standard with a poison banner. Mm-hmm. I think I gave him light armor and a shield. Yeah. I've got a level two orc shaman. Mm-hmm. And a level two Night Goblin Shaman. All right. I think one of them's got a Dispel Scroll. I think it's on the Night Goblin. Then I have a unit of Orc Biggins that are 39 strong mm-hmm. with a full command. Yeah. And this is where my Night Goblin BSB goes. Mm-hmm. This is where my Orc Shaman Your goes. Night Goblin BSB is Yeah, because he sits orc. on the every edge. Yeah. So he sits way out there. So he's hard to get attacks directed on him. All right. And all of a sudden, now my savage orcs, or my, I don't have savage orcs, my orc, my common orc biggins with a razor standard mm-hmm. have poison. I say you just <laughs> put dags on the, the orcs and call them savage orcs and be done with it. No, I've Orange actually got dags. the savage orc model, so <laughs> it's a reason to actually all right. paint up the savage orcs. Fair enough. And then I've got a, a, a goblin chariot in the list, I've got a pump wagon, I've got the dual giants, I've got... Five wolf riders, I think, in the list mm-hmm. with short bows. Yeah, um, I actually have to ch- change that out on the list. I have printed out right now because I think I had pu- I put them with. Uh, I forgot I had short bow models, mm-hmm. which actually means I save a few points there. And uh, what else do I have? I think there's there's some others. Th- oh, trolls! I have a unit of two trolls, uh-huh. which are basically obvious. I mean, I think the obvious thing here, if you don't see it, I have two trolls and a unit of one troll and a unit of one troll. Obviously, trolls for chaff, mm-hmm. and then also troll with an eighteen-inch general leadership bubble. Trolls for chaff are actually pretty solid. Mm-hmm. But then I also have two trolls. Obviously, that unit goes in front of the wyvern, so it in case there's cannon when and against anybody that I have that has cannons, mm-hmm. because then if you can't get through the monsters, ca- the monsters infantry. With a you cannonball, can't, yeah. you can't hurt my orc lord. Yep, which is awesome to be able to survive turn one. Well, I think maybe also it might not be a bad idea to put the mangler in there just to draw fire. From I don't your have the point. I don't have the points right now to to get him huh. in. All right, I have to find twenty points, and that's it's hard to do in a two thousand point list. Mm-hmm. If it was twenty two hundred or twenty four, I'd do it definitely. But I don't. I don't feel like the mangler adds a lot too either. Oh, it's not. What I it mean, adds. he adds another giant target, but he's hard to direct and get where I want him to. But I guess, in my opinion, the mangler would add 
something that your opponent would want to shoot instead of the other things in your list. And that's that. That would be why I would encourage you to. Put I, I have a feeling that almost all the time. I mean, I can see where the Mangler will pull off shots off of the off of the Wyvern Rider or the Giants too. In my opinion, I think most people are going to pull shots when they can on the Wyvern Rider, and they're going to leave the Giants alone. Okay, I could be wrong. But if you're shooting at the Giants and not shooting at my Wyvern Rider, mm-hmm. I'm all good with that. Brian will tell you, he remembers the Wyvern Rider back when I when the Forks and Goblins book first came out. I played the Wyvern Rider pr- uh, quite a bit, yep. and that guy was frustrating as all Dickens for you, wasn't he? I think so. I vaguely he, he remember. He'd get into that ghoul block. <laughs> I kept I kept ramming like my Orc Biggin unit into that ghoul block, and we'd smash it out. And what do we find out? Orc ghoul block, with, or ghoul block against Orcs. Ghoul block wins. Yep. <laughs> so then I would ram- So then my answer was I might went back to the drawing board and I got that work wyvern rider and I'd ram him into the ghoul block. And who'd win? Yeah, I think that, that tipped it back. If right. I didn't win that combat, I smashed that ghoul block, that ghoul horde with the BSP in there. I'd smash them down to like eight or ten ghouls before I'd be done. <laughs> and you know, I don't. I was. You yeah, know, I don't like remember that guy a very was good answer the for orc him. is such a combat machine. The orc character that's on top of it, you know, if you give him a couple extra attacks, you get him into an infantry block. You got that wyvern, and it's got three attacks, and then which aren't which isn't big. But then you got a thunder stomp on top of that. It's a lot of damage you generate. You generally win combats consistently, mm-hmm. even if you're getting called out in challenges. You're winning combats over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That being said, that's uh, I mean, I've got obviously I need to get some more. I need to finish Boromir for my, uh, so I have complete that's the, the fellowship, fellowship. Uh, cool. the ring. So I have all nine of my fellowship painted finally, and then I want to go ahead and before the next time we record, I'd like to go ahead. I've got five Space Marines that, that I'm painting in Ultramarine colors that I want to finish, and I've got. Some other what else I got? I got some other stuff I think on the painting table besides that that I can't even think of right now. <laughs> I've got some stuff for Malifaux, whatever that I'm working on. So I would fully expect, hopefully, by the next time we record, mm-hmm. that I'd be another eight or ten models finished. I want to get some more Moria goblins done. I got the first eight of the repaints done, and they look Ooh. so much sharper, sharper than the old stuff that I did. Even though I'm not happy with the models. And I don't like the models painting-wise. The models oh, really? did turn out. They look pretty cool. All right, enough with me talking about my hobby goals. I've just <laughs> talked for forever. <laughs> my hobby goals, hobby and gaming goals, I'd probably like to win three of my five games at Wapaka. But just, you know, I'd like to place in the top half, too. It'd be nice. But really just have a good time and enjoy going to Wapaka. And as far as my hobby goals, I'd like to maybe get another spider get some work started on it but really i'm trying to get that consistency of the paint right so i'd like to be satisfied with the finish on one spider rider by the time we get to the next recording because it might take me that long just to figure out how to get the paint on there the way i want it to <laughs> all right and brian uh hopefully we'll have you back on in the next show but even if we don't what's uh-huh. you, you got to you set gotta yourself us, a goal here yeah so we well can i've been working on those paint. 10 skeleton bowmen have They're, you actually been getting work done on them yeah, you'll see them later, I think. Oh, that's and cool. That's they're cool. getting there. I don't know. I'm more than half done with them, at least. But now we'll see what time I have with school when that starts. And one game a week would be pretty exciting. 
Yeah, if I could, if we could see you come out, I mean, we do have the, I mean, I don't know how your Tuesdays work. I mean, I don't know what your roller derby schedule is. I'm going to be is, busy on Tuesdays now. At the very least, if we got the old Sunday Warhammer, now the football season's kind of worn down, if we could get the old Sunday Wargaming Day going again. Yeah, I think that would be, be pretty good, good for Or me. even Saturdays or whatever, as as whatever homework works for you. keeps in check. We'll have to talk after the show and see if we can get something worked out so we can, we can get something going again. Uh-huh. And while well, we got Paul here, maybe we can talk with him and see if we can work something out so we can have you included with the show more. All right. That being said, uh, we talked about, obviously, a year in Wisco Dice mm-hmm. and our 2013 plans for Wisco Dice. We talked a little bit about Vampire Counts today. Correct. We talked a little bit about what the busy wargamer can do to still try to find some wargaming time in his life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we talked a little bit about some of our own personal goals and some listener questions, which are kind of cool to include as well. Yeah. So that was a lot of stuff we talked about today. It's going to maybe be a lo- little longer show than what we would normally intend. But, hey, I hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead. And how do you contact the show or host, just like usual? iTunes, BlackBerry Podcast, or Sister Smart Radio. That's all great locations you can go ahead and find us to download us from. Or you can go to the WiscoDice.com website. What was that? WiscoDice.com? <laughs> That's WiscoDice.com. Yeah, Paul. Or yeah, Brian, that hasn't changed. Yep. It is still WiscoDice.com. <laughs> and there's a forum on there, too. So. If, believe it or not, we would love to see more interaction there. The forums have been really quiet in the last month or two. I don't know if that's just because of the holidays Start or whatever. Yeah, ministers. but if you're listening to the show, we really would appreciate you starting to use the forums. I, I've been looking at some things to try to for 2013 to see if maybe we can do something to maybe either consolidate forums with another podcast so that we get more interaction on the forums or to shut down the forums entirely because I don't know if that's something that's working for us. Oh, no. So if if you're enjoying the forums, if you like what we're doing, what we're posting in the forums, you need to let us know so I can help me me make a decision or help us make a decision when we go what we do with them. All right, or you can like us on Facebook or join the Facebook group. Yep, we do have a Facebook page, which is where we get our all our likes. We got the 107 likes, and you can catch all of our all of our episode announcement goes episode announcements go up via the Facebook page. So that if you if you're liking our page, you'll see those in your Facebook feed, so you'll know when our new shows come out. We have a Facebook group, which is more of a little closed discussion. It's almost like a little forum area in its own respect. Where we we like I know we talked we had a little discuss we got a discussion going about the new Superman movie there we've had a couple of responses on I've I've asked some questions about what what people thought about our 2012 you know what was maybe their favorite Wisco Dice moment in 2012 so there's opportunities for discussions there as well mm-hmm. of course then you can always hit us um this is Paul's favorite media which is Twitter mm-hmm. at Wisco Dice which is Paul's handle or you can catch me at Duke and Brightex uh, Brian are you on Twitter as well not at all. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Brian's definitely on on Facebook. Stark Raving Mad is on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can find Brian on on Facebook. And if uh, yeah, he doesn't if he doesn't respond to you, put, well, let me know and I'll I'll poke him for you. <laughs> the fan will poke him for you. Yeah, we'll send <laughs> That'll the, be we'll send the fan out to deal with him. All right, you can contact us at Google Plus WiscoDice@gmail.com. Or you can email us at hosts at thewiscodice.com. And you can, of course, find all of our contact information at the Wisco Dice webpage at wiscodice.com. You can just click on the Contacts tab on the top. It'll take you right to You can find all of our contacts information, what we just discussed, mm-hmm. as well as additional personal email addresses for Paul and myself and any additional hosts we might actually bring on as a full-time role in 2013. 
Or you can just say hi to us at Wapaka if you're going to be there too. Yeah, we if like you're, if you're in at Wapaka and you say hi to us, we will definitely say hi back. Hi, hi. <laughs> so that'd be cool. That'd be uh, really cool. All so, right. Yeah, so, oh, let's go um, ahead and. That was the last thing I was going to mention. Oh, I actually got a grudge match at Wapaka. Believe it or not. Oh. <laughs> Why are you so disappointed? Play meal again? <laughs> no, I'm not going to try it. Hope not. We hope so. Oh man, that would be um, great. That would be so classic. I was on rankings HQ. Turns out I'm number 125 in the US somehow. I have no idea. I'm not that good. I'm anyway. further up than that. I'm glad. I won't be after Wapaka though. But ha ha ha. Number 128 is also coming to Wapaka. A pickled ginger, Josh Young from California. Okay. So we've got a grudge match set up for Friday night so we could just play a game. And then whoever has the better record after the first day of Wapaka will buy the other one a drink. So we got a little friendly wager going on. I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> All right. Pickle Ginger, you need to win that game. Hey. Because Paul needs to buy drinks. Hey, you're a jerk. You I am. That? Thank you. I don't like your face. <laughs> oh, hey. So, yeah, that's oh. that's uh, pretty much accurate. Hey. Yeah, I mean, it was almost nice. rant material this time. I mean, it was great. Oh. <laughs> oh. Sad face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this, this is great to be on the show. 27 episodes. Uh. <laughs> I'm the best part. <laughs> Everybody likes me. Yeah, I'm Johnny Hastings. Oh, that guy can pee like a motherful. Oh, whoops. That was almost a word I was supposed to say on the show. <laughs> yeah, Johnny, I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're the best. Yeah, you're the man. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. Paul, your face is ugly, too. I agree with a Conzi. Yeah. Conzi, Conzi is. You're not so bad after all. I realize that no, after no, all these not years. True. That's not true. <laughs> what? Your face is not true. Your face is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Wow. What? You're what? very. What? What you're is very that? intelligent. The thing. What are that? Those are four <laughs> eyes. Your your poopy face. <laughs> I am the most intelligent thing that comes on this show every time. I <laughs> wonder people are listening to us. Well, the most intelligent thing that comes out of my co-host of the whole show. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's all I got. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I know at all he there. hides underneath your chair the whole time and makes you happy while you're recording. So, I, whoa! <laughs> I'm just the saying. Guy just walked in the room. I don't know what you're talking about. I I always see him under your chair. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know what's going on down there. No. But you're sitting behind the desk, and there's a wall. All right. And- this this is this this is now getting way too mature for this audience. We gotta go ahead and cut this off. Okay. I don't know what in the world he's talking about over there, but that is definitely not what happens in the studio. He's he's making you popcorn. Whatever. I, you're He's throwing full, cheese you curds at Swiss. I don't know why. Yeah. Now, that is, yeah. What? Robert, Robert yes. The next time we have Robert Elmer in the, in yep, the studio, still, we're still we have to, yeah. Six he, he, we later. threatened him with feeding him cheese curds, and he hasn't come back since. Yeah. Oh. Which he would have got lucky today, because I didn't have any cheese curds in the house to feed him. We could find some. It's Wisconsin. I thought you said the fan would have got... Like, yeah, well, the, the fan, fan was going to throw cheese, cheese curds. curds at him. Oh, okay. We were going to make him eat cheese curds on the air. That's true. <laughs> so, All right. Thanks a lot, folks, for listening. <laughs> Peace <laughs> out. Bye.